Hello. Is it Triple T you're looking for? If so, then welcome to episode 6 of the Triple Takeover Toycast, the show that dives into the world of the Transformers as well as other toy lines of the past. Your hosts, as always, are a writer, photographer, and a man who knows more about catalogues than Argos. It's Maz, also known as TF Square One. Say hi, Maz. Hi, Maz. We also have YouTuber, writer, photographer, and someone with their fingers in more social media pies than Mr. Kipling. It's 6 0. Hello, I wondered where that was going to go for a minute there. <laughs> Does it make you want a uh, Mr. Kipling pie? Uh, yes, amongst other things. And I'm Toybox Soapbox, or as my window cleaner calls me, Liam. Now, originally, this episode was going to feature a very. <laughs> <laughs> oh sorry. my god. Now, originally, this episode was going to feature a very different topic, but we decided to hit the brakes, change gears, take the junction back to 2003 for a look at one of the most underrated toy lines in all of Transformers. So put your seatbelt on, as episode 6 is all about alternators and vinyl tech. Lads, can you believe we're actually up to episode 6 already? It's a bit mad, isn't it? How have, we gone? How have we gone from no episodes to 6 episodes in such a short amount of time? Uh, I think what we've done is we've sat around and waffled on a bit, basically. <laughs> That's uh, been the formula so far. But uh, it seems it's like every day, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. We've just basically taken what we do online every day of the week and started recording it. That's, yeah. the, that's the goal that we have, though. That's what the joy of this is. So have you, yeah. Yeah. Are you both enjoying it as much as I am? I am, certainly, yeah, really enjoying it. And uh, I know we've said it before, but it's really great to see some of the reaction to it and that as well. And I really love kind of reading all the comments and people saying that, you know, it feels very natural and not stuck up and all of that kind of stuff, which I, I guess is the kind of vibe that we we're really going for. So it's um, it's great to see. Yeah, I've been, I look forward to these sessions hugely because on top of being a discussion about toys, something we talk about all the time, it's also, it's my opportunity to catch up with friends you know, everyone has maybe Zoom calls with their with their folks, with, with family, regular basis. This is as close as an opportunity I have to meet up with friends. Not being in the UK anymore myself, so uh, it's um, it's a huge, huge highlight of of any week that we do this. Yeah, definitely. I guess it's worth acknowledging that that's kind of how it all started, really, wasn't it? It's not like we didn't talk about this stuff beforehand, as you said, man. It's just. I guess that's why it's quite natural, really, because we would we've, we would have probably been doing this anyway. We just happened to be recording it. Yeah, and I mean that's just for me. It's just a really nice part of each week or every other week, depending on when we record. Just to have some, you know, just to chat to you guys, see how you're doing, see all of the Transformers behind Sixer. Uh, yeah, they all are. All of Transformers. They've been rearranged a little bit, actually. I'm trying to you know make a bit of room here and there yeah, where I can. I hear you're making room for a bit of a mystery guest. Uh, maybe, maybe, you know, new arrival. We'll have to see. I mean, come on, by the time this airs, I was gonna the, say, fo- like- the photos will be out there. <laughs> well, they might be, they might be. So, you know, uh, but yeah, I just want to make sure it all goes well. It's, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a risky one. So, uh, the bit, we'll, the we'll bit I love is that <laughs> the one that Liam's talking about isn't even the most recent one. I know about <laughs> the one after it. <laughs> oh yeah. So you talked yourself, was it through editing the podcast, you talked yourself into buying one of your grails? Yeah, quite probably, yeah. Just hearing myself chatter is like editing it and that. It's, uh, you know, it's palpable. It is funny, actually, these these podcasts, you know, just listening to them, that you, you do kind of, as you're talking about various things, you do kind of think, oh, yeah, no, that would be, uh, 
so that would be interesting, you know, to check that out, tick that off the list finally, stuff like that. So yeah, but I'll uh, I'll let you know when it arrives. The Transformers will return after these messages. All right. Well, before we talk about the toys, what were we all doing in 2003? Because it's a very different time, isn't it, in the Transformers landscape? It's not like it is now. Like, oh man, that's a scary question, actually. Because I, I, we were just kind of chatting pre the podcast, actually, about time in the last 20 years, weren't we? And it's um, mm. it's a funny old one because I don't know when I hear 2003 kind of sounds like yesterday in a funny way and it's only when i sit down and think that actually that's 18 years ago that is quite terrifying uh especially just kind of considering i suppose that there will be well a lot of of fans collectors whatever that possibly weren't even born then or you know or kind of were just being born so oh yeah that is mad like really 18 is. years for half of that time i've had a child I mean, that's yeah. even more crazy for, for me but you know what is quite surreal when you think about it is that from 1984 to 2003, it's 19... Oh, here we go. Yeah, sort of from, yeah. This, you know, from this start, old chestnut. <laughs> this is it. Here we go. 19 years so, from the start, ugh. from G1 to when Alternators launched in 2003. And now, ugh. from then to 2021, it's 18 years. We've almost... We're in that sort of same space. It's crazy, isn't it? But do you want to know so, some sort of... So they're vintage now. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I mean, though. You don't think of them as vintage, do you? They don't spring to mind as that, but mm-hmm. we would have thought of G1 as vintage at that time. They, right. they actually, one thing about Alternators and Binal Tech for me is that it feels like the beginning of modern Transformers, in my right. mind anyway. That's yes. where like modern Transformers begins because it's, it's, it's the first uh, sort of new iteration of Optimus and all those guys, you know, all the cars and the classic uh, G1 Autobots. It's the first time that they were all really brought back, um, mm. you know, in kind of modern form or whatever. So that's how I always think of it: is, is modern Transformers. But yeah, if it's 18 years old, it's not really, is it? No, and it's just it's very of that time. Like I remember being, I would have been like 21, and I was just going out into pubs. But it's the first time I really had disposable cash, is when I was, you know, in the first job. And so to me, that was kind of like the the gateway in. Even though I'd been picking up Transformers here and there, I wasn't really big into the fandom and the reissues at that point of g1 toys were still only like two or three years weren't they was mm-hmm. it 2001 2002 yeah it would have been what um g1 commemorative reissues in the uk it would yeah. have been armada wouldn't isn't that right it would have been yeah. armada armada would have been what's that armada was 2002 i think 2002 armada was 2002 so we'd have been yeah. energon yeah hmm so yeah, yeah, but I think we're. I think at the time it's still the die when Smokescreen is released. We're still in the dying days of Armada. We're just at the end there. But we had yeah, robots probably. in disguise, hadn't we? And it's it's kind of hard right. to hard to remember how it was then. Like G one wasn't what it is now, is it? It was just kind of like um, it was a past brand, wasn't it? Was it? And we'd moved on very much. It, yeah, it ha- it had it had had a nod in the Beast Wars cartoon, but even that was kind of like whoa. Do you know what I mean? And it was like oh, we'll we'll never see that again, really. Um, and then, and then you got the double whammy, didn't you, of like MP1 and BT Smokescreen, and it was kind of like, I don't know, it just felt like, oh, here's here's your childhood again, you know, in 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 this kind of incredible new form. Uh, it was really something. Oh yeah, I just remember so many conversations <clears throat> with fans who were disappointed because it didn't really measure up to Generation One in terms of certain types of accuracy and character choices. I think it was a mistake that a lot of fans made at the time, which they were believing that they were getting G1 Reborn. And I think it affected a lot of people's 
opinion of some of the toys we got in alternators and vinyl tech because they were expecting slavish G1 um, reimaginings, whereas this kind of was a, a slightly different thing. Well, it was kind of, I think it was initially conceived anyway by Haztec, Hasbro and Takara, as that, wasn't it? They had that in mind to do the G1 car cast and what have you, but licenses being what they were and all of that kind of gubbins, which I'm sure we'll get into, you know, plans went awry and it, it kind of ended up as its own thing. And actually a lot of the characters were, yes, mostly G1, mostly, but still kind of unique in their way and, mm-hmm. you know, some new characters and whatever thrown in. Um but I think, uh, I don't know, for me, I remember, I mean, I you know collected a lot of those toys at the time, and that was my gateway back into collecting. I'd given up Same at that here, point yeah, yeah. very much. Um, so it was Swindle was the first one for me that mm. I saw uh, when I was in uh, in New York, funnily enough, in a Toys R Us uh, for larks, literally just for, for, for you know, for a laugh. Was, We'd was gone it the massive one in Times Square? It was, it was, and it had a little... Um, like a ferris wheel thing uh in there incredible the store really yeah incredible yeah really store. really something and i remember like rounding a we were just like literally looking at whatever i was with two mates and we were on like a you know bit bit of a bit of a lads holiday in new york as you do it was a, it was a hilarious time actually only there like five days uh and just trying to like navigate like what what's jaywalking like why is a police officer shouting at me and things like that you know all of that kind of gubbins and um yeah just ended up in toys r us and, and rounded the corner and saw all of these transformers just there uh you know and was just absolutely blown away i think actually i got swindle and then i think two days later went back and bought dead end as well as i recall and that was it that was just like okay so now i guess i'm collecting these things again uh and i was totally blown away by them needless to say i love that when you say lads holiday you ended up in a toys r us yeah (laughs) not the stereotypical lads holiday at all well, there was there was other stuff. I mean, there was you know we did all the you know all the the, the usual stuff as well. Let's say, but uh, there was there was a Toys R Us involved as well. I remember my first trip to that Toys R Us was in two thousand seven after the the movie Botcon, and the display that they had up for the first round of movie toys was unforgettable. It was uh, quite amazing, quite a sight. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a good old store, definitely. So. I've never been there, so I've been to one in Derby, if that helps. You should check it out, Liam. Get yourself over to New York. Well, it's not there anymore, is it? (laughs) Is it not? Is it closed? Toys Toys R Us is no longer a thing. Oh, of course. I'm being being dense, of course. What am I thinking? It's been so funny. It's, It's been so many years since I've really kind of gone out to retail and bought Transformers, you know, that um just kind of forget about that kind of stuff these days, if anything. Well, actually, going to retail and buying Transformers is uh, is really closely tied to this entire line, isn't it? I mean, um, yeah. getting into this line, uh, like Sixo, I had fallen out of collecting. And this was um, basically the start of my second phase of adult collecting. I'd, I'd collected from 19, 1998 to 2003, and then I'd stopped in 2003, and it was all vintage G1 and Diaclone and things like that, and I'd gotten rid of a vast majority of it. And then I had just, uh, it was actually a Toys R Us, the one in Brent Cross, North London, just had heard about these toys and I'd seen that reveal of BT-01, which was a Subaru Impreza. And, and I was so big into Gran Turismo at the time that all of these um, uh, Japanese, uh, you know, these cars like the Mitsubishi Evo, the Subaru Impreza, Honda NSX, all of these cars, I was huge into these cars because of those video games. And uh, seeing that Transformers was marrying a really famous race car with a famous racing livery again 
to a G1 character was was really intriguing, but I wasn't collecting until I picked up an alternator smokescreen in that Toys R Us. Just like you, it was not something I'd set out to do. It just happened to be in the neighborhood. I thought, well, I wonder if this Toys R Us actually has those alternator thingies. Then I went in and I saw it. I thought, yeah, I'll just grab it. You know, everyone said it's great. So it was definitely my gateway back into adult collecting as well in 2004. Because you were quite... You were still in the sort of the online Transformers fandom then, weren't you? You were you were on news groups and the like. What was the reaction like when Alternators and Final Tech were sort of revealed? Well, that's the thing. Um, I stopped collecting and participating around summer 2003. And obviously that was right at the moment where MP1 and BT01 were revealed. Uh, you know, there was the sort of like the tease at SDCC that year. And then there was that flyer that appeared, you know, the Pat Lee drawn flyer for smokescreen. And then, of course, in the the Japanese trade show was where the pictures came out of the the resin prototype of MP1 and the coloured version of BT01 smokescreen with the with the race the the rally livery on it. And so I was still in touch with a few people, mainly probably because I was still selling some of my collection off. So I was still in touch with collectors. And I thought it was really cool and they were excited, but I was no longer participating in, in news groups or I was, I was actually on TFW during that time. So I, I didn't get involved in the discussions until a year afterwards. Wow. Yeah, because it's kind of, it is kind of easy to forget. I know we were saying about Armada and car robots had been around, but we're still only like two or three years removed from like beast machines, aren't we? So there'd been a long stretch where cars and transformers, even though that's what we always, you know, relate them to. They wouldn't, weren't actually vehicles for such a long time, and it was still quite new. And especially mm-hmm. to see them in licensed vehicle form was, again, well, not again, but you know what I mean, like realistic vehicles, was just amazing, wasn't it? Because we'd had Sideburn in RID, but it's not really the same, is it? But um, there was X-Brawn, like, wasn't there, as well? Yeah, X-Brawn was based on an M-Class Mercedes. Uh, we had Prowl as well, which was uh, originally based on Lambo Diablo. But uh, yeah, you... Um... So this, yeah, alternators would have been a return to licensed uh, automotive vehicles because I think Armada was just, was not licensed vehicles; they were just make believe vehicles, weren't they? Like yeah. Car modes. Am I am I right in saying though that even with car robots or RID, that they were only licensed after, like as an afterthought? I don't think that they were licensed. I could yeah, be but- wrong, but I, I my impression anyway was that my understanding was that they weren't licensed as part of the design. It was only when I think Hasbro released them as RID, that the car manufacturer kind of said, uh, hang on a minute. Do you know yeah, I mean? they had a problem <laughs> they, with it. That's right. It, yeah. The, and Takara got Takara got away with it for whatever reason, but the Hasbro had to get the license. I think uh, and right. I think that, that was maybe the kind of precursor to conversations around licensing um, vehicles and what have you. And then that kind of, you know, down the way led to a joint effort between Takara and Hasbro to do alternators and vinyl tech. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think in the case of X-Brawn, I think they changed the lights on the front to avoid having to do that. But with, mm-hmm. I know with Cyber and they, den- they had to add the, you know, the manufacturer, the vehicle manufacturer, but I'm pretty sure with X-Brawn they got around it. But then that's why it leads into vinyl tech, isn't it? Because they didn't want to have to go through this again. So they started then licensing vehicles. And it's just this, it's kind of even now when you look at RID and car robots, I know when the show isn't about that, but just seeing cars for the first time again, even though there's G1 toys in that toy line, the ones that feel the most G1 are actually those car brothers because they feel the most sort of spiritually similar, don't they, with the rubber tires and the, mm-hmm. the sort of the realistic vehicle modes and stuff. 
Absolutely right, yeah. They, they did very much feel like a return to the line's roots. Yeah. Yeah, particularly after Beast Machines, which I think for a lot of people, and it's no slight against Beast Machines, but even for Beast Wars fans, you know, it was kind of unrecognizable as um, as really anything familiar for a lot of people. So I think it was at the time, you know, I think particularly when alternators rolled around, I kind of get the feeling now retrospectively that people were just really hungry for that and they just really kind of embraced it when they sort of saw it. Uh, and MP1 as well. And of course, most of us um, who had been around in the 80s were reaching an age where we had a disposable income and, you know, we maybe probably out of education by that point and in, in work and, and looking again to to these kind of things and pursuits. So it was very well timed in that respect. Yeah. Yeah. There had been a sort of a disconnect a bit, a little bit, I think, with Beast Wars and Beast Machines because they are Beast Wars and Beast Machines, aren't they? The Transformers branding is a lot smaller on the packaging, whereas when they went back to car robots, Transformers was massive on the packaging, wasn't it? Again, and I remember people at college when they when Robots in Disguise came out, they would say, "Oh, Transformers has come back," and it's like, "Well, no, it's been here, but mm-hmm. people associate it with cars and stuff like that." So it felt more like it had returned, hadn't it? Absolutely right. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment for some of us, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think for me, it was also that, I mean, coming back to alternators, that it was the first, uh, you know, it did get me back into collecting, but it was the first Transformers line um, or toys that I collected really as an adult, you know, so it was it was not, it felt separate in many ways. And I think because of the nature of them, you know, the kind of high end of them, uh, you know, it was the first time as well that I realized that Takara uh, you know, had very different toys and things like that. So there was that always that element of all oh, trying to get the, the Japanese version, you know, if you can import that or whatever. So that became, that was like a big thing for that line, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were the first toys, I was thinking about this earlier, they were the first toys that I was really happy as an adult to have on display in my house as well, uh, or my flat as it was at the time. Uh, and, you know, that your friends would come around or whatever, and I'd just be like, yep, yeah, that's, that's the thing, there you go. And uh, I don't know, it feels very distinct in that way. Do you know what I mean? It's like a a different way of collecting to what I was used to previously. Did you have that whole conversation with people who came around who just thought you were displaying die-cast vehicles of scale and then you'd be like, oh, yeah, but they transform and they were surprised because of how good the car modes looked? Yeah, there was that, and there was MP3 as well, which was the the, the classics for, for, you know, people getting, making that, assumption that they were just like scale models or whatever mm. mp3 more than any i think but no actually a lot of alternators as well they'd just be like oh okay you've, you know you've got some model cars and <laughs> they actually do transform um and you would i, I used to you don't really get that anymore because i think now transformers is so prevalent that people just kind of expect it do you know what i mean whereas actually back then um it wasn't as you sort of said liam it wasn't everywhere in the same way it was pre-2007 it was pre-movie so it was a bit more subversive and yeah, it was really interesting to see that kind of um, face of people that hadn't really thought about Transformers since the 80s, since they were a kid, suddenly realizing that this thing that was in front of them was a Transformer and just kind of, um, some people obviously, you know, not fuss, but for a lot of people, actually quite a bit of delight in that as well, uh, in seeing it. So uh, yeah, it was interesting. And it's very much seeing, um, when you see it for the first time, it's very much seeing it through adult eyes as well, isn't it? Because they don't—they don't initially look like toys, do they? They do look like, like you were saying a minute ago, like models. And it's mm-hmm. a very much like the. Tr- There's something about alternators where, when you see it for the first time, it feels like Transformers have grown up with you. So it's gone from being the toys you had as a kid, but they still like. It's like that people always say, don't they? When they, I had that Optimus Prime as a kid, when they see the Masterpiece one, and they didn't. And alternators mm-hmm. has kind of got that similar vibe to it because it looks like a car, and that's how the people sort of who don't really collect Transformers connect it. And if that makes sense. 
Yeah, I think uh, what you're saying about they they look grown up, um, recognizable to people. I mean, um, the choice of car models was a big deal in that as well. You know, they were picking very... Yeah, that's right. And I mean, they were going to launch Vinyl Tech with Streak, you know, the Silver Streak, the the road-going version of the Subaru Mold. But, uh, you know, towards release, they decided to switch it out for the much more fancy-looking smokescreen, which was a globally recognizable championship-winning rally car. And it was recognizable to Brits because, obviously, you know, Colin McRae had had driven for for the Subaru team. And, you know, there were British champions, Richard Burns as well. So these, you know, that was a recognizable car to a lot of people, you know, motorsport fans, just people who maybe followed sports. Video games cars generally. with yeah, Colin McRae absolutely. Rally was massive yeah. at that time, wasn't it? Absolutely right. Sega Rally as well, things like that. So um, that, that was a, a really eye-catching release to start the line with because you wouldn't consider Smokescreen a, a blue ribbon character to launch a major toy line for Transformers. Yeah, uh, that's true. I remember actually at the, at the time or just before that, actually my stepdad had a Subaru Impreza, um, bizarrely. Um, and uh, it was a very cool thing to see it in toy form, as you can imagine. It didn't have all the the, the you know the livery and all of that kind of stuff on it, obviously, but still a lot of fun. Well, yeah, I guess um, Streak would have been really cool. Yeah, yeah. Actually, funny enough, my stepdad's was blue, uh, but but still. Terrific. Uh, uh, yeah. My brother and I lusted after an Impreza, man. I think he, he wanted to buy one on many occasions. I can remember exactly where I first saw Vinyl Tech Smokescreen, but what about you? Where did you first see it, Maz? Uh, for me, it was um, the online pictures for the reveal, because uh, just like I said, I, I was just on my way out of the hobby. Uh, and I didn't see a Vinyl Tech in person until after I bought Alternator Smokescreen, um, Toys R Us, Brent Cross, North London in 2004. And uh, I remember it was a weird feeling to buy a Transformer at retail again, and uh, quite such a big thing as well. And I I didn't expect it to lead to collecting a line. I just thought, you know, I love Subaru Impreza's, especially rally cars. It's a car that my brother and I would always try to get in Gran Turismo when we were playing. It's like, you knew when a Gran Turismo game had taken off because you had your first Impreza in-game. So that was uh, just, it was like a completely different thing. It, it was supposed to be like a standalone thing. I had stopped collecting, uh, but obviously that didn't quite work out that way. But Alternators was the first one I had. And, and you know, I'd seen all that stuff about, oh, you know, it's just plastic. It doesn't have the beautiful pearlescent sparkly blue or the die cast of the vinyl tech. But it was such a good toy anyway. It was so impressive that... Um, I could really appreciate Alternator Smokescreen as a as a toy, and that led me to then buy Vinyl Tech Dead End as a sort of all right. I'm going to give this one more go and and see how much I love it. And uh, yeah, I was completely sold by the time Dead End came out and I had it. Dead End was Dead End was a really good toy, man. Dead End was a, it was just great. I mean, uh, it was so funny because actually I remember only reading. Uh, you know, latterly, that it was supposed to be Sunstreaker, of course. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I had I owned the thing at that point, and uh, you know, shows you my level of engagement with the whole thing. I loved it, but it just hadn't at, at all occurred to me that it was supposed to represent Sunstreaker. Uh, it was only I remember reading it on the internet and being like, "Oh yeah, that totally makes sense." Yeah. Uh, it was but, those um, it was those test shots that were turning up so frequently before release, and there was a, a red, um, unpainted test shot of the Viper mold with Sunstreaker's head and on the chest he had an Autobot logo 
So everyone surmised that this was supposed to be Sunstreaker and then a last minute change of course to pad up the Decepticon ranks because this was, I think it was BT05 by that point. You know, the Tech had already gotten four releases in and it was all Autobot cars and then Dead End was supposed to start balancing it out a little bit. Yeah, it was, a, it was an interesting one and they're obviously Swindle as well. Uh, I think in some ways that was kind of what attracted me a little bit, though, was that it wasn't just Autobots, but, you know, they had Decepticons, but that they were choosing some weird characters as well. You know, not that Swindle and Dead End are necessarily that unusual, but, you know, certainly coming back into it for the first time, um, it seemed quite intriguing to me. Like, oh, okay, which other characters are they going to do then? I quite like that. Yeah, because there are all sorts of sort of random names that turn up, like Decepticharge, aren't they? Characters... Because it's always it's very connected to G one, but then there are these just completely random characters that appear in there, aren't they? And oh, we're jumping troopers. ahead now, big time. Oh yeah, Decepticon. Yeah, add the teasers. Decepticon is way down the line. That's like. But I mean, there was resistance to this stuff. I, I remember distinctly uh, conversations with people who were disappointed that it was Dead End instead of Sunstreaker, that it was Swindle instead of Trailbreaker. You know, there were disappointed parties at on almost every stage of vinyl tech and alternators after smokescreen people were disappointed at the at the side swipe that came out as the dodge viper because i think initially that was supposed to be tracks yeah so right. yeah there, there was always like this element of not everyone is really satisfied with the way this is going you know and i remember that distinctly throughout this period so i, I really liked dead end because i thought it looked you know it looked amazing Really, yeah. really amazing looking job they did on that one. Like, that, I don't think Sunstreaker stood a chance after Dead End had robbed that mold off him. I was just going to say, as well as resistance from fans, they had resistance from the actual manufacturers, didn't they? Of the cars, for the same reason. That's why Jazz was the original. The original toy wasn't he designed for the line, but he was never released because Porsche wouldn't allow it. That's right, the Porsche Jazz. Yeah, and this is the origin of the phrase, isn't it? With the they don't. They won't allow it for war toys or whatever it is, and this is where it all springs from. Is this toy? Yeah, it's funny that war toys thing because it's very of its time. I mean, they, they were kind of saying, weren't they, were that uh, Transformers was not worthy of the the Porsche uh, Porsche trademark or whatever, and and people have really latched onto that war toys quote. It's so funny because I remember mm. every time the subject of a masterpiece jazz comes up, it's like, oh well, you know, they don't want war toys and all of this. It's, but it's like I think it's really of its time, and I mean, what would that have been now? It would have been well, the better part of twenty years ago. So, uh, you know, we really don't know, other yeah. than just speculation, what what's going on behind the scenes with yeah, masterpiece the, jazz. Or the Porsche whatever. brand team, you know, the merchandising brand team is probably not made up of the same people now that it was made. Well, up exactly. Of yeah, eighteen years ago, it definitely won't be. It definitely well. I'm assuming. I mean, again, it's just speculation. But there's just you know, one dude hanging what, on. No robots. Exactly. <laughs> one guy. Transformers fans like desperate to like stealth <laughs> yeah, their way in there to get this they toy keep made. Asking, this guy just won't retire. It's like <laughs> yeah. a big bugbear for Hasbro. Right. I don't know. But it's it, it's just funny how that that quote that one quote has has lived in infamy and refuses to go away. And it's still uh, cited know, to this day, isn't it? As like yeah, empirical evidence of why I, that I think it does. It's it's almost like a rule of TFW two thousand five that someone has to quote it at least once a month in masterpiece forums. You know they, they yeah. have to bring it around again. Uh, I saw I that Porsche in person at uh, the Rhode Island Hasbro factory tour in two thousand seven. I saw that. Oh, the prototype. Um, yeah, and they also had like a, a smaller smoke screen, like a almost like yeah, a deluxe yeah. class smoke screen. I've seen well. the picture. 
Super. See the picture because they were they were. My understanding again is that they were fiddling around with the scale, weren't they? And they mm, they yeah. there was some discussion between Hasbro and Dakar about what scale they wanted the cars to be, right? Um, and before settling on one to twenty four, mm-hmm. and that they made this other prototype which was much smaller. It looked to me, I've only seen pictures of it, but it, I don't know what your impression of it in hand. Well, not in hand, but seeing it in person, as was. Did you but, break it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've got I've got a story about breaking an alternators of prototype. Of course you do. And I, you me, I wasn't even on the same continent. I wasn't even on the same continent. But you got we got to come back to that story later. And yet, the but only yeah, show notes uh, we ever you... have on this podcast are has Maz broken one of his toys. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just tell you that when when Maz and I were both in the scene of getting uh, third party test shots and what have you, if ever I discovered that one was turning up to me to review after Maz, I was like, oh man, what 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 state is it gonna be? <laughs> I, I would just damage it enough to not make it visible so that when you transformed it the first time, you'd take the blame for busting it. Oh, you booby trapped it for him. Fans toys and technicons yeah. turning up with broken wings and all kinds. Honestly. That's why you kept getting like uh, unidentified cuts and bruises off these toys. I'd sabotage them before sending yeah, it to him to definitely. review. <laughs> Gluing little razor blades to them <laughs> and painting them. Well, I think uh, fans toys spotter made us both bleed in the end, didn't it? Oh man, that thing. I mean, it's totally off topic, but that thing was just, ugh. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have to do another episode one day of like one third day. party test shots or something. Oh, do you know what I mean? I it's cannot just, wait. It's a whole... <laughs> A whole topic. All I, had that, I had that same test shot as well, and I remember that just how painful it was trying That's to. That's true. That one really did the rounds, didn't yeah. it? Yeah. And those insecticides. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, were you about to ask me what my impression was of the complexity of that smaller? Well, I was going to say more the scale actually was what you thought the smaller scale was comparable to uh, in hand, whether it was like generations or masterpiece or what, what where you kind well, of. That's a good one, actually. Um... The smaller smokescreen, well, nowhere near a masterpiece. I think it it didn't even look as intricate as the alternative toys that came later, if I'm honest. Well, I had wondered that as well, if that was maybe like Takara eventually settling on a smaller scale, you know. But it to me, it looked smaller than alternative. Yeah, it, it looked a bit like the transformation was going to be marginally more complicated than like a Legion class is today or, or something right. like that. It probably wouldn't have been a million miles away from Titan's return wheelie in, in complexity. Yeah, I was going to say, because I suppose not far down the road from here, they start doing the titanium toys, don't they? And there are a whole bunch of those they didn't release as well, like the Cosmos and stuff, and you see the grey prototypes of those. Mm. And they're, they're not far from there, so I wonder if there's any connection there. But I do remember on that tour, the one thing that really did um, get my heart beating fastest was the Porsche, was the Porsche Jazz prototype for vinyl tech that was the most impressive thing i saw on that tour did you see it in car did, mode no i was just going to ask that same question <laughs> i've always been no. fascinated because obviously you only ever see the prototype the robot mode but you never see the car and i've always wondered what, what it, looked it, like. it was either going to be one of the new 911s or a cayman i can't remember which but no it was it was in robot mode and i wouldn't be surprised if it was a non-transforming one actually you know like just yeah. glued parts and puttied parts or, or something Action like screwed together yeah yeah, it did look cool. Of course, we did get uh, old Meister eventually, mm-hmm. but um, still, it was it was just like one of those legendary toys, wasn't it? That mm. So many people used to talk about. It's amazing because there's also a Bumblebee, wasn't there? Am I right in thinking that there was a Bumblebee prototype? 
I, th- I thought it was just concept artwork, but uh, yeah, I thought it was just concept art as well. Because apparently, uh, from well, from what I read, there was there's the three, aren't they? There are there was was it tracks? Oh no, it's Smokescreen, wasn't it? And then Bobby and Jazz. They're the original three, and two of them didn't get made. That's believable based on the on the drawings that were in that vinyl tech book that came out. But I mean, no, that that line was a big deal at the time. It was a really big deal. It was really big news every time a test shot would appear on eBay. And the test shots were always well in advance of any announcement. And uh, I must admit, I was made to feel quite guilty by members of the fandom for buying some of those test shots. Because, you know, that was it was before the, the YouTube review kind of phenomenon. But those of us who were winning those test shots off eBay, we would do photographs and get them online. I would do a review maybe for, for TF1.com or something. And, and then, you know, the, the hits and the likes and stuff would roll in and you'd get a news credit on the front of TFW and it was a massive deal. Ooh. Yeah. I, I remember this so clearly there was really big news on TFW every time, like a test shot would come out. Who's that character? You know, who's it going to be? And obviously like the, the dead end smokes, the dead end sunstreaker thing was the first major one that I remember it was, it was a really big deal. Then there was also tracks um, as BTO six because we got that in yellow as uh, as vinyl tech, but they I think they there were test shots of tracks in yellow for alternators. But it, do you remember that whole thing about the plastic was considered to be too translucent for release? Yeah, I remember a friend of mine. He just uh, he just sent me a picture over Facebook. Or, like he'd pulled his drawer open and there was a alternators yellow tracks test shot in there. And I just said, how and where did you get that? And he just wouldn't say. He goes, "Nah, it's just in my drawer." He just closed the drawer. I remember that <laughs> really clearly. <laughs> but there was that was the thing. It was like this was a line that could potentially be completed, and it was a line of car robots. And man, if you ever tried to complete Diaclone car robots, you know that you, no one was ever going to do that. And uh, this was a line that felt like I could complete. So every variant that turned up, every test shot was that amazing mold in another color. And it was like, yeah, must try to track them down. And they were they were really well known the test shots as well. It was wasn't like today where if you pop onto eBay you've got a multitude of prototypes and stuff. Back then people knew each and every one, and they were being documented and photographed, and and then they'd be on eBay and people would go for them. They were going for for quite a lot of money. Do you know? I was wondering how quickly this discussion would turn into one of variants and prototypes and things. Yeah. Like that. And but that was a big deal with with alternators and biotech. You know? It really was. Yeah, that's pretty it much really how that. Line ex- those lines exist, isn't it, or coexist? Is the differences? That's more what they are than anything else. It's not mm. the similarities; it's what separates them. Yeah, and what we don't get. Yeah, because it's such a homogenous line. You know, it's like it—it it wasn't just a couple of cars and then some jets and a dinosaur and and a and a building. It was all cars. So everything that we didn't get was a what. <laughs> I'm just laughing at your description of traditional Transformers. There's some jets, some cars, a dinosaur, and a building. He's watching B, hasn't he? That's what it is. It's G1, Tom Hanks. So if we didn't get a particular car, it was a big deal. You know, if we didn't get a particular character. So those test shots were like uh, people's way of filling out their collections of of these awesome, awesome car robots. I could see that. I could see that. It'd be a big part of the fun. I wasn't there for any of that. Uh, you know, I was just, as I say, picking up the hobby again, really, at that point. But uh, I could totally see the sort of intrigue of, like, you know, trying to figure out which character was going to be next and all of that and the different car models. I think it's a lot of fun. They don't flip out, 
Transformers Generation 2 will be right back. So when you were picking it up, Sixo, for the first time, like you're saying, you weren't really into the fandom at that point. What was it that drew you in when you had it in your hands with the car? Um, I think it was just this, the feeling that this was something familiar. So, I mean, as I say, the first two I got was Swindle and Dead End, both the alternators versions. Uh, and I wasn't even aware of, you know, Takara doing the, the diecast metal ones and all of that gubbins at that stage. But uh, I think it was just the feeling that, yeah, this was something familiar, that it felt like the Transformers that I knew, you know, come back. And, and I say that as someone that had been a big fan of Beast Machines. Uh, sorry, Beast Wars, actually. I mean, Beast Machines less, I will say. But Beast Wars, I had really liked uh, a lot. And, uh, you know, I had had a couple of R.I.D. Uh, toys as well, I think. But not really, I suppose it's not actually that much of a gap. It's funny, I think of it in my brain as like a long gap, you know, between between the two. Whereas actually, I guess it was probably just a couple of years. Uh, although I very much doubt that it was 2003 for me when I picked up um, Alternates, probably 2004. So maybe like three years or something gap. Um, but I think it was that feeling of return to familiarity, characters that you knew, you know, like Swindle, what have you, even if they were kind of like not A-list. Um, but also that feeling of complexity to them. And it's funny because actually now looking back at the toys, they're not actually that complex. Like they're not the most intricate transformations, you know, stuff like Masterpiece and whatever has really usurped that and kind of overtaken it in terms of the complexity of transformations and parts count and whatever else. But there was a feeling of this being somehow kind of a line that had a kind of respectability about it, you know, with the little interiors and the seats and the steering wheels and the rubber tires and all of that kind of gump. And I think that really appealed a bit as well. It wasn't like, oh, these are just children's toys. Although actually now that that distinction doesn't bother me at all. I think at the time to kind of come back into the line, that somehow felt important. Does that sort of make sense? It does, because it captures that sort of sense of magic as well, doesn't it? The mystery of how you've got the car interiors and all of that detail, and it still turns yeah. into a robot. Because they're so particularly now you're so used to once the car is closed, all the robot parts are just squished in there. There's no interiors. Even with ma- with most masterpieces, you don't get that. And so it, back then, it was that it felt very G one in that the first time you saw it, you're like, "How does this happen?" And it it like it brought back that same sort of sense of magic, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. And I think um, it was just that feeling of like, "Oh, imagine them doing." x and y character you know from your childhood but doing them in this form you know this size this kind of impressive large size with all of this uh realistic interior and whatever else it it just felt very exciting uh and like it had a ton of potential i if anything and this is maybe a little bit of a controversial statement i suppose my disappointment with alternators and vinyl tech is that it never really kind of got to that potential do you know what i mean like we had some really cool toys along the way and i'm not disappointed to see stuff like, um, you know, I don't know, Sideswipe as a particular model of car or to see Deceptor Charge and made-up characters or whatever. That's not what I'm talking about. I suppose what I'm saying is that it, it never got as big as it potentially could have been, you know, and it never fleshed out as much as it maybe could have done if it had had more success. But still, it's a very cool line. And for that that initial time, getting into it, it felt like, wow, this could be huge. You know, it could really kind of go anywhere. It's a, it's a really funny one because uh, last night I read through all the articles I wrote on, on this subject and, uh, and I had done it sequentially from BT1 to BT18. And uh, it was amazing to read because it felt like, um, it felt like I was reading history because I was remembering all the things that were coming up 
in the in the community and in my own feelings when I was buying these toys. And and I was so big into this line to the point where I was buying bootlegs because they were in different colors. You know, the Chinese company called really? Metals. They they did this brand called Metals Transform. So they did uh, like Hound, but in white. They did Sideswipe, but in yellow. So, you know, there were these amazing cool. little gaps being filled. And these bootlegs were sold so widely. I remember going to, I think it was Mallorca in 2006. And even seaside shops there, souvenir shops, had uh, knockoff vinyl techs. You know, yeah. in, in this when I went to Spain, I saw exactly thing. the same thing. Exactly the same. And, and just reading through those articles, I was like, wow, there's uh, so much to say on the topic. So it's it's really hard because at the moment we're discussing it in a bit of a scattershot fashion. So I'm trying to remember what I wanted to say about particular <laughs> elements of the line when, when they come up. But just uh, Sixo saying how complicated those transformations felt at the time. The one example that really brings that home to me is actually uh, R.I.D. Sideburn. I remember at the time that toy yeah. was considered a monster. But you you pick up that robot today and it's like, well, that was nothing. You know, compare that to a masterpiece Sunstreaker. I was just going to say, I agree with you, Sixo, when you were saying about how it never felt like it reached its potential. I mean, we're jumping forward a little bit, but it does feel like there was so much left on the table. I mean, it is great that it's very self-contained, as Maz was saying. So it's very small and easy to collect to some degree, but it does feel like they never, I don't know, there are so many hits, particularly toward the end with like Mirage and stuff. And you think, what could they have done next? I think Mirage was was one of the sort of latter day truly exciting new molds for me. That was one. Are we, are we like, really discussing Mirage less than halfway into the episode? Yeah, this is, we're going to go this for is it, the man. This is climax <laughs> of the entire line, and we're talking about it now before yeah, we've sure. talked about Grimlock or, or we, Battle we Ravage. Or, you know. we, we hey, you told me this to was going to veer off into topics that all right, I, all right. I was I just, planning for. Uh, I'm not, well, I, look, I, we'll, we'll come back to Mirage. Yeah, we'll come back. I wasn't really meaning to talk about Mirage specifically, more just that it was, it, you know, it represented, as you say, the kind of last hurrah, if you like, of a new mould. It was kind of the, mm. the one, I don't think it was the last new mould, was it, mind you, but still it was the one that I remember being like, wow, you know, this looks fantastic. Um and I'm trying to think if that was last or if uh, the, it wasn't the, the last alternators mold, but it was the last new mold that came out under the Binal Tech banner. Right. Okay. I was I wasn't sure if it was that one or Convoy, but uh, um, you know, but it was a great mold anyway. And as you say, we'll talk about it in a bit. But uh, I, I remember there being a point where it was kind of like new releases were coming out, and it was like, oh, okay, another repaint. That's that's cool. Fine. Um, and I think that's kind of what I mean by that that feeling of it faltering a little bit, do you know what I mean? And just kind of not really reaching that potential as such. But, you know, like, like I was saying, I was reading back through these things uh, and I, and I had cut it into four release chunks, like BT one to four, BT five to nine, that sort of thing. And I remember there was periods of time where we would get like two or three releases in a row, like you said, were repaints and there was nothing really new going on. But then all of a sudden we'd get like, um, a lot of new things in one go. For example, we got uh, Grimlock as the Ford Mustang. Uh, you know, Mustang mold was new, and then we had um, Overdrive, which is one of my absolute favorite toys of the line. And that, to me, was an enormous highlight of the entire line. And that was well past the stage where people had decided that it had peaked. You know, much earlier, we got mm. Overdrive, and that, it's funny because the test shots of that did not really reveal who that was going to be and you remember it um the test shot had the really long sniper rifle that became the, the axle 
yeah, and then yeah. for the Hasbro release, uh, we got Wind Charger they, first. Yeah, it they was, muted it. Yeah, yeah. And I remember buying repros. So people had made a, a repro, uh, and I definitely I bought one of those for my Hasbro Wind Charger. Now, funnily, that the Hasbro Wind Charger had the visor on upside down. But then when we got the BT12, I think it was 12 Overdrive, that was in glossy red. It had the sniper rifle, and it had the the visor the right way up, and it was so clearly Overdrive, and yeah. it was just. It was such an amazing highlight and high point of the line. It was such a good transformation too. For everything that Grimlock was frustrating and fiddly and, you know, you were constantly dodging flying doors and arms and things that kept popping off that toy, uh, Overdrive was totally different. And even Windcharger was was really, really good. Do you know the one that I really love that's a sort of, uh, I suppose at the end of that 2003-04 era, uh, was Prowl. That was the one for me that I remember, mm. it, you know, newer mold just being totally smitten with. Yeah. Um, and one that I got a vinyl tech version of, you know, it was kind of, uh, you know, looking for, for which, you know, which versions I could get from Takara or whatever, which you could um, kind of import. And that one, I just remember thinking, wow, this is a real knockout. Uh, very different take on the character and whatever yeah, yeah. else, but but just really good. I think that was originally supposed to be Red Alert. Because they, right. they were going to do Prowl as another Subaru, I'm pretty sure. But yeah, that was a, a really nice toy. And that was like Binal Tech at its best. It was, again, another very well-known Japanese sports car, the Integra Type R, and a really well-known Transformers character in Prowl. And it was just like married those two things up beautifully. And it was funny because Prowl was the point where the packaging changed. Do you remember? It stopped having the grid packaging. Suddenly it was like... um. It was mostly white box, and on the on the box, the pictures were like of a street scene. So it was much more. I wonder if that at that point they were trying to appeal to a different audience and just be like, "No, this is like your regular street car now, but it's a transformer." Instead of just going full on grid pattern box, name and function bar like the old days Transformers logo, it was like for Skids and Prowl, we had this different Vinyl Tech packaging. Yeah, uh, I do remember that. Part of like a reboot of the line though wasn't it because yes it was it come a bit later than the other one yeah, uh, just before it too it was like a refresh because i don't think it was selling very well was it so they thought they'd refresh it and right give it give it another chance and then because that didn't they then bring in they sort of reissued some of the more rarer toys didn't they some of the previous molds which then became sort of shelf warmers later on you mean in yeah. alternators yeah yeah, because alternators went through a big packaging change as well they went from the big red and blue boxes to the bubble boxes yeah, and then like Grimlock came out again, Tracks came out again, Jazz came out again. Yeah, and with new artwork as well. And then, well, with with Binal Tech, they were they were on to Asterisk, weren't they? Um, right after Skids. Yeah, after Skids. See, that's the thing. Uh, like and then- Prowl was amazing, and Skids was amazing. So in that short yeah, period of time, we had like Overdrive, Prowl, Skids, Grimlock. Laser wave as well. You remember, like the the shockwave repaint of Jazz was yeah 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 beautiful. It, it's so, weird. It's weird how it kind of went in those little waves. Do you think that was because of licensing? Do you think that was just like them? They got out, you know, Smokescreen and Hound and that initial lot because they had those those sort of they had like a little wave of initial designs, didn't they? And then do you think it was just the question that they were like, okay, now we need to sort out some more licenses? So they were like, you know, check out a couple of repaints for a little while and whatever. Whilst we line that up. Uh, and that might explain why we got a suddenly little flurry. I I don't know if it was the fact that they then went looking for them because I know with with Jazz with Meister uh, Mazda kept sending back 
the design documents and being like, no, you could alter this a bit more to be more in proportion with the real car. Because I think the, like, the original design wasn't quite, you know, it wasn't 100% accurate. So, And because it was a scale model line, Mazda were quite insistent that they would get it absolutely right for the RX-8. So I think maybe that sometimes held up some of the some of the releases, just that design process. Like with some of the some of that sentiment that it was beginning to get stale and that the line was dying, they would then all of a sudden come out with a massive new vehicle license, like Honda and the biggest car manufacturer in the world, Toyota with skids. You know, it was like, yeah, no, they're still really going for this, you know. And and yeah. skids was a brand new mold and really skids really was great. special mold. It was great. Yeah, it was and the really really good time was even better. The only thing I didn't like about Skids was the stickers. I had the Tech one again, and I put the mm. stickers on, and they were just not up to snuff. I remember them just like peeling off. Uh, rather, unfortunately, I was always a bit disappointed with that. I kind of, I think, in some ways, just wish I hadn't done that. Um, mm. But I, I really liked the look of the, the sort of planar look to the the fiery one that Hasbro had. Um, mm. But yeah, still a really, really great mold. Uh, I loved it. It always looked like Ironhide to me. I don't, and, and I'm still not sure to this day if that was ever intentional or not. I think it, I but, think it was supposed to be Ironhide. Right. And it doesn't surprise me at all. Was I think it the Dodge that, Ram that was supposed to be Ironhide? Honestly, I don't know. But I, I remember looking at skids at the time and thinking, this looks like Ironhide mm. to me. Even the face. Definitely got his profile, hasn't it? Right. Yeah, 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 for sure. So maybe, I, I, do you know, actually, it's funny because I remember hearing the Dodge Ram and Ironhide um, hearing that as a connection, um, but again, you know, I remember. I, I'm sure I remember hearing something about that and Trailbreaker as well. But mm. Trailbreaker you know, is Swindle. I remember. Yeah, was that the was a one. And then also, um, we were talking about Overdrive, but the repaint of that in Alternators Deceptor Charge that you mentioned earlier, uh, I believe that was supposed to be Megatron. You know, oh, okay. um, in a grey color. And if you think about the head sculpt of Deceptor yeah. Charge, it's you know, it's kind of Megatron-y. Do you remember the test shot for that toy? It was all like it was all dirty, and it had like the the black paint on it, and it was called Dirty Deceptor Charge at the time. And then when the toy actually got released, it was um, completely yellow with the with the you know with the detailing on it, the sports detailing, but it didn't have like the dirt and the uh, muck. Do you know? I was going to say I don't remember that, but it does ring a bell. Actually, I remember seeing, oh, but only now that you mention it, I wouldn't have recollected that otherwise. But I do remember seeing pictures of. Um, but it was still yellow, right? But with like a it was still with like, yeah. yeah, it's still yellow, but with a kind of um, painted hood on it or whatever. number four on it, I think as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah the yeah, muddy yeah. pattern is what they removed from the test shot stage. Yeah. Right, I do remember it. I do remember it uh, vaguely, anyway. But uh, yeah, that w- that would have been cool. There were so many um, hesitate to say famous, but really well known test shots for that line. There was so much attention on everything they were doing in the in the community. Paparazzi the chasing them and all that. <laughs> I remember um, I had the I had the Meister test shot as well, which was really cool because they did it in all sorts of wacky colors, like gray, blue, pink, different parts on it, and they were always so crazy floppy as well, with big "not for sale" molded into like the the chest piece or or something like that. It was so cool. Not for sale, but for stealing. <laughs> That's what they were. They were stolen samples. There's no yeah. no two ways about it. I mean, the like I said, there was backlash from the community from certain people when I when I would do photos and when I would own these toys because at the end of the day what we were doing was encouraging the continual stealing and sale of these toys yeah so if you are looking at alternators and vinyl tech you will notice they are very different toys aren't they I mean there are obviously they're similar but there are a lot of differences why is that 
the biggest difference probably started with the very first release. You know, the smokescreen looked really different as an alternator compared to the vinyl tech. It was flat blue, no glossy, sparkly blue of the of the accurate Japanese version. There was no die cast. And, you know, that stayed quite consistently different all the way through. It was always such a bugbear of mine where people said, don't buy vinyl techs because they'll just chip the paint. And I, I kept looking at my collection even 10 years afterwards going, I don't see any paint chips. <laughs> you know, I, yeah. you know, I've once you figured out how to transform them and you weren't smacking parts of die cast together during transformation, it, it you could manage any paintware. I mean, I still have the same vinyl tech smokescreen GT version from 2004 that I bought from Epic Heroes in Edgeware back in the day, and it doesn't have any paint chips. And that thing has moved house with me three times. Wait, you've not broken that toy. Is what you're I, saying? I, I never fictional, broke a bike. Fictional thing. characters. That's what's happening here. Yeah, <laughs> interesting. But it does. Do you think that goes back to something we were saying earlier about how this felt like the first sort of toy line that was targeted more at you know collectors and uh, grown-ups more than kids? And part of that is because those toys they sort of teach you, maybe not intentionally, that you sort of have to handle them with finesse, don't, doesn't it, with the transformation rather than just grabbing bits and yanking bits you do learn that through those toys because i've got like like you i've got a vinyl tech smoke screen that our lovely friend dom got for me and stuff but i've never chipped it but it's because i know how to handle it yeah i mean the thing is i understand that that figure with its die cast was pretty heavy and it did have a tendency to topple and you know if it topples the wrong way it's going to chip the paint so yeah you did have to pay attention to it and i definitely got the feeling that the vinyl tech was was a collector aimed line Whereas alternators was sold in Toys R Us, so it's mm. sold to children. It was you know you see them pop up in collections and secondhand all the time. Same with Masterpiece, really. If you think about it, we had the MP1 was sold in Toys R Us. You, you still see them in like collections of toys. Someone might list on Gumtree just a stack of old Transformers, and there's an MP1 in there, you know, missing an arm or something or finger, poxy finger. Uh, but MP1 was branded as a collector's item. It was an anniversary item, actually. Even the Hasbro one was branded as an anniversary item, wasn't it? It's the movie 20th anniversary. 20th anniversary. Yeah, yeah. 20th, yeah. 20th, it was yeah, cool 20th anniversary. Yeah. But yeah, the, that was a big difference between vinyl tech and alternators. And then, of course, some vinyl tech figures suffered greatly for having the die cast. Uh, I recall the Mazda mold, my uh, Shockwave, the Laser Wave. When I got that toy, I was blown away. It was just stunning. It, it wore the mold even better than Jazz did. And it's amazing how Vinyl Tech managed to make the Decepticons look evil in car mode without emblazoning Decepticon insignias on, on the hoods or anything like that. They just looked mean. You looked at Laser Wave, you're like, yeah, that's a Decepticon. You looked at Dead End, it was like, that's a Decepticon. You just knew. And it, okay, the number plate had a little Decepticon symbol on it for Swindle, but you just knew. They did a um, fantastic job with choosing cars that fit, right. didn't they? Really, really well, yeah. Even the ones that didn't end up being what they were supposed to. Like, sure, Trax might have been a Dodge Viper, but he's so good as the Corvette. I mean, now looking back, how could he not be a Corvette? And I really liked how those car manufacturers insisted that Takara release a version of the toy in a flagship color for that brand. That's why we got a yellow I really Corvette. Like that. Yeah. And the red Mazda. You know, it's funny, I often talk about that yellow Corvette because actually... 
I I really wish that yellow tracks was a thing. You know, I really wish that we saw more. I would love to see a generation one toy of tracks in yellow. I would just think that would look gorgeous. I would love to see a masterpiece version of tracks in yellow. Again, I think that would look stunning, but it's never been carried over. But yeah, I really, uh, it sort of appeals to the collector me to see those, those mm. characters done in those weird colors, even if they're, you know, the flagship car colors, as you say, but I, that was something I always really appreciated. And, and how much they actually really looked like those characters, like yellow tracks, the head sculpt and the fact that it was a Corvette and then the big rockets, it was tracks, you know, okay, yeah. it was yellow, but man, it had the right character. And, you know, there is a generation one yellow tracks, but it's a prototype. Uh, I knew it was there, coming. Yeah, I, I knew it. I, I don't have it. I never, I, um, I know who did have, who did have it, but it was um, a prototype from the classic era of G1 from the gold box. Oh, really? Is I mean, right? I yeah. I didn't know that. Did you know that the prototype of G1 Hot Rod was pink? I did know that. Yeah, we 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 may have mentioned it previously, but uh, that's that's a that's a whole thing. They should they should do that. Just want to keep it in the consciousness, you know. I mean, timely reminder. I have got to say how disappointed I am that um, Vinyl Tech and Alternators Hot Rods also weren't pink. No, they never are. They never are. They should really get on that and make more Hot Rods pink. (laughs) Just one. See, you test the waters. So we've mentioned the the yellow tracks and the red Zoom Zoom Meister, uh, both stipulations from the, the the automotive company that the license was obtained from. But we also had uh, the blue Prowl. And I always thought it was weird that that Prowl never had a blue head. So it was just like blue Prowl with the white head, but that was um, a yeah. vivid blue pearl color, which was uh, a Honda Integra. Actually, the thing is the Honda Integra Type R's are normally just white. Most Type R cars from Honda were just white, but obviously Prowl was already white. So the next best thing was the vivid blue pearl version, but that was another, that one that came from the, the car company. And oh, uh, they, they said they wanted a, a I'm blue pretty one? sure. I'm pretty sure. Uh, and obviously it was just, you know, it was another, it was at that point where nearly every Binal Tech was coming in two colors. So mm. and they started really distinctly with tracks, and then you know jazz came in two colors. The second smokescreen came in two variants. Um, I'm I, surprised I rem- that they, they they didn't do a different character for the blue prowl, you know, because like with skids they did broad blast and whatever, you know. The, the, but that wasn't didn't... a co-release. The thing was the, mm. the broad blast wasn't a co-release. But even with the jazz, like you said, it was zoom zoom. It was kind of a different character. True. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. To some extent, and then obviously you got Wheeljack and Grimlock. There was a little bit of difference between. Yeah. You know, well, I mm. guess they weren't again the same time. Whether there was a bit of difference, bit of time between those two. That's right. Yeah. It was BT ten versus BT sixteen or something like? No. No. Um, yeah. Fourteen. Fourteen, 14 was Wheeljack. Yeah. Fourteen. So I had BT Wheeljack, and actually that was the one. I had two. Just coming back to the paint chip thing, I had two vinyl techs that had paint chipping a little bit, um, and one was Wheeljack. Um, which is perhaps not surprising when you consider that transformation. Right. Uh, I think yeah. there, was, there was definitely some frustration along the way with that toy, getting it between modes. And I think at some point uh, I just managed to scuff it slightly on, on I can't remember where, or maybe on the bonnet. Um, and the other one that had a small paint chip, tiny, almost imperceptible, ironically, was Sunstreaker, which he would have been very annoyed about, I'm sure. Right. But it had uh, ti- the tiniest paint chip, again, I think just kind of somewhere quite prominent. I can't remember if it was on the, on the bonnet or where it was. Um, and I don't think it was me that caused it. I can't remember how it happened or if it was out the box like that or what have you, but it was just really 
quite gutting, actually. I remember the mm. I loved um, Biontech asterisks, uh, asterisks, um, Sunstreaker. Loved it, but I remember being quite quite dismayed by this one paint chip. That was uh, actually we were talking about differences between Hasbro and Takara. The the Grimlock and Wheeljack. Remember the 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 Hasbro versions didn't have any chrome, but the mm. Takara versions had the chrome on the engines and the chrome on the hubs. And it, I always found it really funny that Wheeljack came with the sword. Like, okay, I understand Grimlock's coming with the sword, and then they just chuck the sword in with Wheeljack. But of course, that makes yeah. sense now when you look at uh, TF Prime. Wheeljack comes with the two katanas. So for what, science, Jack, isn't Jackie. It? It's all for science in. I would have been annoyed so, yeah. if it hadn't come with it, though. I think I would have been annoyed as, like, well, it comes with Grimlock. Why not with Wheeljack? I, I don't know why I always kind of prefer that mold as Wheeljack than Grimlock. That's interesting. I mean, I remember people were really annoyed that it didn't have the Alitalia colors. And it was just that trying to remind people that this isn't Generation 1. You can't just, what well, you can, but it would have looked really funny to take a Ford Mustang and just slap a different company's livery over it. Because yeah. again, that yeah, Ford right. Mustang was white with blue stripes. That's a really, really signature Ford, you know, souped up color scheme. And uh, people were just, you know, they were taking the Binaltech jazz and the Hasbro jazz and putting martini stickers on it. You remember like repro labels were, you know, they were just churning out these uh, stickers for alternators to make them even more G1. People I've never still went have for that. The jazz, don't they, in the Reaper labels mm. layout as they're sort of stand in for masterpiece, don't they? That that Reaper labels set for jazz was was big time. Even I remember that being mm. a thing. Yeah. Um yeah, it was it was a big old big old thing at the time for sure. Uh which was really interesting. Yeah, people is... really did want them to look like G one cars. It's just crazy. A certain it's group a, of them. It defeats so much of the object of what those toys are there for, isn't it, really? It's just I felt that way at the time too. I felt like people should embrace it for what it is and stop marking it down on a lack of G1 accuracy. Yeah, because it's... Isn't, isn't that what we still do today though? <laughs> yeah, but really there's changed. no shortage of it now though, is there? Too there's, much. That's yeah. true. I think I think all of this discussion is and I kind of hope it comes across maybe for at the risk of saying it, you know, for younger people that may be listening or whatever because I think the context of all of this is very important and it is I think crucial to remember because I've forgotten as well that all of this was a totally different time. It was mm. pre everything that we know about yeah. Transformers now. It was pre classics. The... Well, exactly. No classics. No 2007 movie. No, none of that. None of the current like Kingdom and Earthrise and you know multiple yeah. versions of Optimus Prime and yeah. Masterpiece wasn't a line. Masterpiece no, exactly. was an occasional it was release. Yeah. It was well, well, it was literally one toy at the time. <laughs> yes, you, had, right, yeah. you, you had MP1 in 2003, and Great. then two, Magnus, so what was it? Yeah. Two. And then Magnus, and that was it. That was it. So by this point, I mean, yes, then you got MP3, and that, you know. But that was 2006 later, until we got MP3. That was 2006, yeah. 2006. <laughs> and then we got another so, MP1. <laughs> yeah. With the so, trailer. You know, it, w- it was definitely not a line. And I think it's it's weird now, you know, I mean, how many masterpiece releases do we get a year now? And people are like, oh, we should get more. You know, and people are just clamoring for more stuff all the time. But Back then, it really was like you could get two or three of these toys and you yeah. would just be overjoyed. It was just like, oh, my God, this is like manna from heaven almost. Oh, no, I was just going to say, it's such a stark contrast to now, like you were saying, like almost every taste is catered for, isn't it, in the Transformers fandom? Like whatever you're into, well, yeah. you can almost get anything you want. And 
back then it was uh, just like you say it was such a rarity these things were so new and exciting it was just exactly and i think it's for me it's really imagining now like the, the scenario now where people are like oh which is better the masterpiece version or the generations or probably there's like a third one and you know whatever you know which optimus prime do you like there are like 10 coming out in the next three months you know that is just so far away from where we were at the time i mean this is a line that didn't even have an optimus prime for the first three years of it right Mm -hmm. so it's just that's that's where this was at the time and, and kind of how things were and i think you know for me i think wanting slavish g1 accuracy from it as you said Mez, kind of misses the point a little bit of what was going on with it and yeah and like you know. and to consider that the line started with a toy that did not have a g1 deco it's it yeah. launched with the most contemporary racing version of that car that could have existed and that was the point it was an update it was new but with the most blatant nods to g1 that we had had since ever you know, really in a new mm. toy line. I mean, I, I I read something I wrote last night, which really surprised me. It's like the, the Binaltech asterisk alert was the first time that a red alert had been released with a red head. Yeah, I remember the red head really? fuss. That was a big thing. Yeah, I, like, I remember that. I mean, okay, it was, you know, it was Blue Streak's head in red on the Subaru, but it was still like, that is red alert as a police car <laughs> as well, not as a fire chief, but with a red head. But that shows that whoever made that decision had some love for the franchise. They they mm. they had some love for the original cartoon, you know, for the original fiction beyond just the toys and and you know whatever. The the, the was the love was there and it was pouring yeah. through just in an updated form. The there was so much love in that fiction, and I'm going to be the one to bring up Beast Wars this week. You know what I'm going to talk about? It's yeah, the vampires. <laughs> yes, BT Eleven. Uh, Ravage. You know, remember that was like right. a, a, a real what moment because yeah, it yeah. was a black tracks. And yeah, the thing is, it, e- it even had Diaclone nods. I mean, the rocket launchers were grey on a black tracks. It's like, I know what you're doing there. I know what you're doing. And then it had Ravage's head. <laughs> and it was like, wait, what? But of course, it was Beast Wars X9 Ravage. Yeah. And was the, that a weird one for you then? If you obviously it not was seen because I, I wasn't aware of the, the story, and it was like it, like the the Ravage cassette was supposed to be jammed into the dashboard of this car, and that was um, like leading the personality of this being, yeah. and it was it was terrific. What Very a fantastic cool. backstory for that toy, and that toy came in for some heavy criticism. I'm sure it did. Do you know, just as a kind of aside, but just because it's occurred to me, and I just want to note this moment down for prosperity at some point just thinking about beast wars i one of my all-time i think favorite transformers moments like fandom moments whatever for me was doing a watch through of beast wars with you Maz, for and and you know we were doing a little chat weren't we a few of us as as we were kind of watching uh beast wars you know remotely and you were seeing it for the first time mm. and i remember we got to episode three is it the web um, and it's the one where Cheetor gets knocked out uh, by Tarantulas and has a little dream sequence. And of course, that dream has a jet mode star screen in it for all of two seconds or whatever. Mm. And I remember you just typing, what the F? Do you know what I mean? Like star scream, you know, and just being like completely uh, sort of blown away by it. And it was just such a joy to kind of see it through fresh eyes. 
um, you know, that kind of nod or whatever. I know it's like completely off topic, but uh, just well, that. I, I love how Beast Wars developed that story. I, I enjoyed that watch through thoroughly. And um, I think I would have appreciated that Tech reference to Beast Wars Ravage so much more had I seen those episodes. And it's it, funny because it it? every time I went to a UK show in the 90s and the early 2000s, there was a room which was constantly showing episodes of Beast Wars for people to sit down and watch. Probably the poor folks who had to accompany Transformers collectors to these shows and had nothing to do. would just sit there and watch Beast Wars episodes the whole time. Yeah, it, it would have increased my appreciation for BT Ravage. And I, and I liked I BT Ravage. It still was a weird one. I can see why people were, you know, yeah. uh, maybe a little bit put out by it or whatever. It is, it is a weird toy for sure. Um, I mean, like Grimlock as well was one that I know a lot of people, you know, took umbrage with because it wasn't a T Rex. And, yeah. you know. and can you imagine? Ravage was the one immediately after Grimlock. It was just like, yeah. what is happening <laughs> right <Yeah>. now? <laughs> Double whammy of Grimlock and Ravage, just yes. like animal heads on cars. Just, well, yeah. It would have been I mean, can you imagine if, if yeah, if. It, yeah, well, what if BT Grimlock had had a dinosaur T-Rex head? <laughs> yeah, right. That would have been amazing. Would have been my favorite Get slag in there as well with his little horns <laughs> and whatever on the next one. There's ball bars on the front of the car. <laughs> yeah. Just a question for all um, our UK listeners, and, and I'm saying this with full understanding this may get cut out, but I would like to ask Sixo and Liam, if we'd gotten a Binaltech slag, what car would it have been? Oh, man. I know this. It would have been, you know, in Only Fools and Horses, Del Boy's Green Capri. <laughs> the one they call the Pratmobile. Oh, yeah. The Ford Capri. It says it handles like Maradona. It's got rust all over it. It's bright green. It's got pink, like, windscreen wipers. It's got the fingers hanging out the back, like the most gaudy 80s-looking car ever. I think that. Sounds about right. Transformers 90s style. Beast Wars are coming up next on Tsunami. I remember reading every bio when it came out, uh, when they were translated. Do you remember when that was happening? Like w- when those um, booklets would come out? And they had such amazing booklets, didn't they? With those really cool concept drawings in them. Uh, what was it called? System configuration or something? Uh, they used to be like a really cool drawing. We used to get them for, for Masterpiece afterwards. I remember the Masterpiece Huffle one was in that same kind of style. Uh, and then people would translate the bios, and the bios were always so cool. It just made the toys cooler. Because it's set, isn't it, in between season two and the movie. It's that little lost year. That's when the fiction is all set. I, I wish I could remember it better, honestly. I wish I could remember the intricacies of why each particular character was selected. Because obviously, you know, it'd be very easy from the outside to just look at Ravage and say, oh, okay, you know, Ravage was 1984. Let's put him as a car. But then the backstory was sophisticated. Do you know why it was in the fiction? Because they found his craft. Some Earth that's group right. found his craft, wasn't it? Archaeological tape of his dig, yeah. Backup memory, and that's what they. So what? After he's destroyed in Beast Wars. Yeah. So they find his ship, and he's created a backup of his memory. It's a little cassette tape. That's why. And they tried to car. get information about the future. Didn't yeah. they? I, I guess like four million years later, or whatever, because he would have been killed in the past, and then. That makes That's sense. It. And he uses his knowledge of the future to try and like change things, doesn't he? And take over. Shenanigans occur. And Prowl yeah. becomes Chip Chase. I just had to throw that in there. Yeah, do, you not, sure. do you not remember See, that's, this? That, that's something I'd forgotten. Yeah. That's the insane world of Prowl's mind disappearing in between dimensions and I mean, becoming Chip Chase. 
It's really bizarre. Fantastic. No, I mean, Biontech stories were great. Yeah. I love that Smokescreen got this ability to control tons of clones of himself as Smokescreen GT. That, that, I really like that as well. That was fun, fun addition. But the reason for it all is Cosmic Rust. That's why they are changing the mm-hmm. bodies in between season two and three. Because I suppose timeline-wise, that would be 2003, wouldn't it? Because the film is 2005. Right. Yeah. Interesting. I was never really aware of the fiction, to be honest. I never really paid too much attention to it. I remember the bit about Dead End being a stolen Sunstreaker body. Mm -hmm. That I remember. Uh, You know, various little snippets or whatever. But I think for me, mostly, it was just like these these toys are... Those are cool. That's it. Didn't the original Marvel storyline have Sunstreaker be one of the only ones that didn't get revived at the start? Not one of the only ones. Uh, there were various characters that didn't get revived or what have you. But yeah, he, he got a bit of a rough run, certainly. And then also in Escalation, he was like decapitated and you know, turned into a headmaster. And then in Vinyl Tech, he gets his body nicked as well. Just, you know. That dude has no look. Vanity doesn't pay. Yeah, he's going to be taken down a peg or two, maybe. I don't know. (laughs) But uh, no, yeah, the vinyl tech fiction is just is bonkers, and it's so weird. And I think it still carries on in some form, doesn't it? All all the sort of Japanese little mini comics all tend to like fold into one crazy universe. They they have a way with the the Japanese fiction of like making it all part of the same universe, even how convoluted it is or, or whatever, you know, or how crazy and kind of you know reality bending it might need to be they will fold each bit of it in they've made so many conscious efforts even in like little tying comics or whatever or pamphlets and all of that kind of stuff they've just like you know they even now are working to kind of bridge the gaps of all of the different transformers lines i think it's and even incredible. non-transformers too right yeah. with like things yeah, like yeah. spin out and cordon yeah. with with the diaclone history it's yeah. incredible it's a, really trying to fold it all into one they do generally have an answer for everything isn't it it's always like why is this one toy this color? It'll be, aha, uh-huh, we've got a story for it. Like uh, in Binal Tech, when it's Hot Rod rather than Rodimus Prime, even though it's the cartoon continuity, and the reason's actually pretty cool. It's like um, when he heals Galvatron out of Unicron in the movie, he sort of lands on Earth and destroys Tokyo. And so he's so like stricken with grief, he then turns into Hot Rod. And it's just this. Uh, yeah, I think I remember that. Bonkers story. But they, they always got an answer. I love that about sort of Takara and the. Transformers. Everything has an yeah. explanation. But just uh, going back to the fiction and yeah. what you were saying about differences between Takara and Hasbro. Do you remember, like the the vinyl text would come with a little display stand in the box, so the car was actually in a plastic clamshell on a display stand, and you could, you know, legitimately display them on those vinyl uh, tech inserts, and that was um, present all the way through pretty much the whole line. But Hasbro didn't have. The display stands, they were just sold as toys. You know, they didn't come with this fancy booklet with the uh, with system description or the concept drawings. So there were, there were so many distinctions. And uh, if I'm not wrong, the alternators were originally being sold around $19.99. Uh, but if you wanted the vinyl tech, and I don't think they were too hard to find on import. I, mean, I think Forbidden Planet had them. I remember buying them from Epic Heroes in London. There was plenty of online sources you could get them from. And they were about 40 quid each, typically, I remember the vinyl tech costing. They were about twice the price, yeah. for sure, yeah. yeah. No question. But you could really see, it is a toy line where you can really see that difference in mentality, can't you? Because it's at that point that Hasbro still aren't really treating these things as for collectors, are they? They're still, mm-hmm. they're still toys. So when they bring them over from Japan, 
they take away all the die casts and stuff and sell them as toys. And so you get them cheaper, but they are they're still in that mentality of it being like that, despite how we look at them as being more adult orientated. Hasbro weren't. That's right, yeah. That's why Windcharger had his long barrel gun totally nerfed and it was a scanner instead. It was just this weird box that he was holding, which was, you know, bizarre. You've got a thing about that gun. It's like the third time you've mentioned it. It was such a big deal. Like people was, were yeah. scrambling to get those repros to use on their deceptor charges and their uh, and their wind charges. And it was such a good toy. It was such a shame to to neuter any aspect of it. Is it as good as the uh, fishing rod slash sword tomfers and the steamer that came with Banalte that, Asterix Hot Rod? That, which is... It was Kiss Players. Kiss Players. Kiss that's players, the, yeah. That was amazing. I bought two Kiss Players Rodimus so I could have that fishing rod as his pipes on both hands. I remember that distinctly. I, I love that. I love that toy yeah. so much. It's funny. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of glad now that we're talking about Kiss Players that we've moved on from the fiction. Let's maybe sidestep that. Um, but it is funny because whenever you talk about Kiss Players, of course, that's the first thing people yeah. think of is that fiction. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, it tends to kind of jam in the memory a little bit, let's say that. But um, what I will say is that the, the toys are actually excellent. And the, yeah. the, the I had both the Convoy and the Rodimus, and they were two of my favorites, without a doubt. And I, the, the Rodimus especially, I would say, still stacks up as probably my favorite of all of the kind of vinyl tech or... Simply um, glorious. ...related releases. Just yeah. amazing. Really, really cool. stand was, out. Really stand out. Mm-hmm. I, I only sold those two a couple of years ago, hmm. and especially both of them, but especially the Rodimus was one that I remember packing it up and thinking, I kind of don't want this to go. Actually, it was one that I was re- like, I, I may still at some point be like, okay, I need to get it again just because it was just wonderful. That whole um, the Kiss players' way of selling them with the with the figure started in Asterisk. Do you remember? It did. The, it did. The yeah. Blast Sun- and- yeah. Sunstreaker. And the and the Atari, uh, what's he called? Uh, Auto Auto Rupa. Yeah, that was Kiss Players. Yeah, that's right. It is strange, it, isn't it? That just talking about Kiss Players and that when you think of say say Battletech, it's not that big a toy line, but it still managed to have two different sublines, didn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah. it was distinct. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, Kiss Players isn't even actually a subline of of Bynal Tech. It's just like a completely different thing. Because of course, it's got. G1 cassettes and a couple of those like little Beast Wars yeah, the little balls. Uh, balls. <laughs> um, you know, it's got various random things. Uh, oh, what the the lion and the eagle and yeah, the robot, which were originally microchange. Yes, well, I was going to say, which yeah. is a, a real diaclone nod of itself. So, funnily enough, I do happen to have actually just on the old desk there the the little laser beak uh, repaint from Kiss Players. There you go. That's um, <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. It's the little G1 laser beak mold in orange um, from that that Is set. Sundor. I think I think that's his name. Could be wrong, so I'd need to look it up. It's that but set where just... you get Rosanna as well, isn't it? It is. You do get Rosanna, who is here somewhere as well. There she is. It was it Glit? Rosanna. Glit was the white ravage. Yeah. Uh, yes, I believe so. You got to make sure you say that correctly. Yep. Um, uh, <laughs> otherwise, it. Yeah, let's not let's not go there. But um, <laughs> back to kiss players. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, I, I think the the Rodimus and the Convoy for me were just two spectacular releases. I loved all of it. I did, you know, the little uh, human figurines, slightly strange, 
but still the whole thing was cool. I even thought the little yeah. surfboard that turns into a sword was cool. <laughs> that was cool. Uh, the, the figurines, like you mentioned, with Asterisk, I think you had to remove their legs entirely to put the sitting legs on. You did, yeah. That was a, They were just really weird. I remember being not in the slightest interested in those. It was such a conflicting time for that toy line because Alert, Sunstreaker, and Broadblast were spectacular looking. You know, and the packaging for them had the amazing artwork on the back. You know, and they were packaged in robot mode now instead of car mode. It, it was like a reboot. And uh, the problem is like that Alert, the Subaru mold, was really showing signs of degradation by that point. I mean, mm. it just it would not hold together. Nothing would sit flush. And I, you said your Sunstreaker was chipped. Mine had this really weird bend in the in the rear wing. So even then, it was starting to show signs of age. And uh, by Kiss players, obviously the the diecast had gone from from Convoy. So the Convoy mm. version that came out in Kiss players didn't have diecast, but BT twenty two Convoy did have diecast. And I never owned that version, but I did own the Wonderfest exclusive Black Convoy. Uh, I knew we were going to get there. That was the most disappointing thing ever for me in the toy line, and I looked forward to that it. toy for years. I've heard it is a. I've never seen it in hand, but I have heard that it's like quite floppy or. or oh, it's awful! Just... It was so bad, and that was a one thousand dollar toy at one point. Crazily, considering what the the line had been like right up until that point, BT sixteen. It's it's a real shame because actually the the toy itself, the design. I really like. I think it's you know I had the Kiss Players version, um, and I think it's great. Honestly, it's beautiful. It's really good looking. I think if you had the Kiss Players, which was plastic, and people who had the Alternators Convoy and the Alternators Nemesis Prime probably actually really liked it. And I remember seeing it in person, the Alternators, and thinking oh, that's a really nice looking toy. It just made me want the the black exclusive version more. But I guess it just didn't suit diecast. It just kept folding over on itself. The weight distribution was way off. That's really disappointing to hear. But did you ever have um, what was it? I can't remember which number it was. Was it BT twenty two convoy? The which was no, never went for as it well. as a result. No, as a result, I never went for it. That would be interesting to see if it was the same. I guess I know, I, I was out by that point. I think with vinyl tech, you know, vinyl tech in general. So it was it was after my time. I mean, what was that? Two thousand eight at that point. So I was you know definitely You're out. Probably but, right. Yeah. Yeah. And, well, uh, I, and of course. We had BT19 to 21 as well. You remember like we had Blue Streak and RC and another version of Jazz Argent Meister in silver, the Mazda Speed version. Yeah, they had like a little last minute run, didn't they? Because they did, because uh, what was it? It was Asterisks, uh, Ast- I can never say it, Asterisk in <laughs> 2005, <Yeah. laughs> 2006 Kiss Players, then 2007 was just like the exclusives or whatever. And then 2008, suddenly it's like a couple of, just you know, going back to the the sort of original uh, vinyl tech releases with with Blue Streak or whatever. So yeah, really strange. Yeah, with some changes, of course. Like the Blue Streak no longer had the really awesome magnetic axle for steering underneath the hood. It had just like little black pegs uh, that hooked the axle into the wheel mechanism. So they had they kind of were cost cutting at that point already. And, oh, yeah. and again, obviously the uh, the mold degradation was the thing for for the Subaru mold at that at that point. That's a real shame to hear. I guess they'd done the the Subaru mold quite oh, a few times so over. Many I mean, times, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. So it's probably not too surprising. But I didn't get any of those last four. Uh, the Argent Meister RC, none of that. Um, I thought RC looked pretty cool, though. Looked amazing, yeah. Even the Meister looked great. Yeah, yeah, kind of different. But uh, it's a shame they didn't do any new molds. But I guess probably by that point, it was all pretty much done and dusted, wasn't it? 
Yeah, for, for Binal Tech, yeah, it was uh, it was dying throes. I think at that point. I mean, the movie had probably signaled the end of the budget for that toy line. I would imagine. It's so weird to think of those toys, you know, at the end of that line coming out, and and the film had just been in you know mm. cinemas or whatever, like a year at that point. It's it's such a kind of strange timeline to me, and and I guess with all of this in context, I know we've already kind of said it, but you have to remember the impact that that film had on all of this it just made you know such a huge change in direction for a lot of white you know for a lot of the the franchise um so yeah major changed everything it really did yeah yeah Yeah. and 2008 would have been the start of animated as well that's true why do you think the convoy mold isn't one of the most fondly remembered toys because Optimus in most lines is generally sort of the, the tentpole figure, isn't it? It's it's always there in the first wave. There's usually an Optimus and a Megatron, but hey, you don't get... There's no Megatron, Galvatron, or even a um, sound wave or anything like that. It is just Optimus, and it's very late. Well, I think, remember when it launched, it was like the Binaltech smokescreen was shown going into MP1's trailer, wasn't it? Or yeah. something like that. It was like MP4 and, and Binaltech were shown to be like contemporary releases. I wonder if it was like... Hey, look, we're doing the odd masterpiece, and you can put your vinyl text with masterpiece, and they're supposed to go together. I don't think Masterpiece Prime was one twenty-four scale like the vinyl text, though. I don't no, know for it, sure. Uh, well, I don't think it, it didn't have a, def, a def, mm. you know, sort of definitive scale or what have you. I don't think so. But yeah, I mean, they were definitely promoted as being part of this, you know, or sort of at least kind of sister releases, if you like. Um, it was always. I think there was even an interview with one of the designers where they actually said that they designed the MP4 trailer around Binal Tech, um, mm. much in the same way that MP10's trailer was designed to fit with, you know, the the carbots, and, and that's been a huge feature of that line since MP10. It was definitely designed with that in mind. I think they have actually said that in an interview, as I say, uh, you know, which is I think part of the reason they went back to do MP4 with the trailer was was that you know because they were like oh look, there's an opportunity here to kind of tie them in a bit more um but i you know for me i never had uh, I, I never had any desire to see an, an alternators or vinyl tech optimus really because mp1 same, same, fits yeah. so well you know mm-hmm. it, it always struck me that they were meant to go together hmm. it's funny because you said in either this episode or a previous one about how every figure is shown shaken empty <laughs> yeah hand. Uh, it's, not, it's also the same with every Autobot car is shown rolling out of MP10's trailer, right. isn't it? Yeah. Even on oh, the back yeah. of their individual boxes. Got to have those two things. To, to be a successful <laughs> masterpiece in this day and age, you've got to have those two things. You've got to shake MP10's hand and you've got to roll out that trailer. Otherwise, what are you doing? <laughs> Honestly, just... <laughs> you know, Scale! Who are you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a statement of intent as well, isn't it? Because mm. they've, yeah. you know, with as I think we were saying earlier, with MP10, it was very much about that statement of intent of we're going to do all these cars you know we're going to do the lineup and um you know you never you never had that with vinyl tech in the same way there was never that promise even if maybe we as collectors kind of imagine that there was Mm. um but certainly i don't know for me it felt like optimus was done because of mp1 so i guess when i remember seeing yeah i remember seeing the convoy toy the first time and thinking huh that's a weird one you know but it's still it's still a nice toy I remember at the time with MP1 never feeling like it needed an upgrade. I remember seeing that toy in person for the first time and the thing that made me buy it were the leg vents. I remember yes. my friend just like stamped <laughs> yeah. it on the table and the leg vents opened. I thought, I need this toy in my life. There's no way I can go a day further without this. 
And uh, that I, I bought into Masterpiece at that moment, the way it was yeah, at the time. Like, okay, sure, it was a slightly janky truck mode, but it didn't feel like, oh, I can't wait till they update this. It felt amazing at the time. And like, this is the pinnacle of Transformers toys right now. That was very much the idea then, wasn't it? Like people say, this is the perfect Optimus Prime toy until mm. we kind of moved into an era where it just kept getting refined down, didn't it? Into yeah, yeah. Something else. But so I you say there exactly, wasn't a statement yeah. of intent, but showing BT1 with MP1, I mean, like you say, maybe some people did take that as a statement of intent. Was like, that's why they didn't feel the need for another convoy because we had this amazing one. Well, I think that's it. I think, and I think that was sort of my point was that I think we interpreted it as such that you know, oh, they, look at all the potential here for them doing all these characters, um, mm. but they never sort of explicitly said that's what we're going to do. I guess that was my thing. Uh, but yeah, I was the same with MP1. You know, it's the Pistons and all of that. Uh, I got the Ultra Magnus version as well when that came out, and I same. remember I was so excited about that. I remember showing it to a friend of mine, and. I distinctly remember his reaction as someone that didn't, you know, hadn't been into Transformers since he was a kid. And he was just like, oh my God. I'm, and, and I think even he at the time was like, I may have to get this. It's just so cool. Um, and it was just, I don't know, it just felt like anything. And you say about the truck mode, I was the same as you. I never felt like it was a problem. Uh, and it's funny because mm-hmm. I saw someone uh, recently actually uh, posting a picture of MP1's truck mode online saying, oh, you know, it looks a bit naff. And I thought, yeah, I can see what you're going for. But at the time, it was wonderful. It was just, you know, maybe it's been surpassed now, but mm. it really felt incredible. And I think actually did fit well with Smokescreen and all yeah. of those guys. So, and a t- as a testament to those vinyl texts, you don't get people looking back at those car modes now going, wow, that looks out of date. No, never. How could it? Because it's just, right. it, it. it's hard to think how that would be surpassed, really, because the car modes were just... You know, I mean, what what else could you do? Maybe with smokescreen, you could have, I don't know, like the, the back window or what have you where the legs fold up. You know, maybe you could do something extra with that. But realistically, yeah. th- that that's about as good as car modes are going to get, isn't it? Yep. it? It is interesting that you pick up on that because there is something to be said about that time and those those two toys in particular is that they were really the first real time you started really focusing on engineering, weren't they? Like on what it could evolved to be because you were still very much in the era of toys weren't you they were just you know you had mainline retail toys for kids and this was the first time you really saw engineering starting to really move toward a more complex adult sort of themed toys didn't you yeah i guess it makes sense when you think about the timeline of it because 2003 you know is perfect time really because it's sort of <laughs> almost 18 years give or take after the original you know, start of the the franchise. Not exactly. I'm, I'm sort of rounding up or whatever, but it, it makes sense that obviously then you've got people that grew up with it coming into adulthood, and that they're going to be looking for something different. And it it's different again now because now you know kids are into Transformers. At the time, the kids were into a different Transformers. You know, it was Unicron trilogy and all of that. So I don't know. It, it makes sense to me that they pitched it when they did, and that they thought, "Yes, let's go after the adult market." And it, hey, it worked. Yeah, it was on the back of G1 reissues in in Toys R Us as well, and the and from Takara and from Hasbro. So, do you think that the reissues uh, maybe led to that? Do you think it was like the sales of the reissues? Were- Oh, I don't know. I reckon the lead time for something like MP1 and BT01 was was well in advance. Of, yeah, maybe of being right. uh, decided by something like that. But I just guess it makes sense that we had these reissues 
our childhood toys, but still very much toys in the stores. And then uh, modern Unicorn Trilogy toys, very much toys in the store. So yeah, I, I agree with both of you that this was like collector focus, engineering focus, and what look into the future about, you know, bring the past, marry it to the future. This is what you get. It's really strange, mm. isn't it? Because you think about Alternate as a Battletech, it doesn't quite get that big rep and it's not a toy line people refer to very often, but it really just does change the path, doesn't it? From kids' toys, it, there's like a fork in the road there mm. where things really change and it sets us on the path where we are now with such a heavy collector focus and stuff like that and the amount of range we have. Just- I think it was really, really, I hate to use the word replaced, but it was just supplanted maybe by masterpiece because masterpiece did basically yeah. exactly the same thing realistic car modes of g1 characters high engineering very displayable adult collectible but added screen accuracy so it took the one thing that vinyl tech didn't have and vinyl tech wasn't building itself up on these different characters with a very recognizably different fiction and, and universe that we were seeing on TV or we had a nostalgic link to. It was all nods and winks and acknowledgements. It wasn't direct, straight up. This is the thing you've always wanted. And then obviously Masterpiece cars are going to go with Masterpiece Prime better. So it's it's like, it's hard to find people who have something that Alternators and Biotech provides 100% to, unless yeah. you're a real strong car enthusiast and you like really so. like the car. <laughs> yeah, exactly, which is why it took me so long to, to get rid of them. And yeah, you know, I look a bit silly now having written articles like why I'll never sell my vinyl tech. <laughs> was that a natural out? That was an article. Yeah, that was, an, yeah, that was an actual actual article. Followed up a year or two later by goodbye vinyl tech. <laughs> why I sold my vinyl tech. <laughs> <Yes. Yeah. laughs> is, is next week's bit... article going to be why I've rebought all my vinyl <laughs> tech? It's yeah, very much like not the only uh... one who knows how to get lots of article material out of one. Oh, idea. here we go. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Six hundred seven I was just, just going to pick you up and say that it's very much like your "I am not Spock, I am Spock" kind of magnum opus, isn't it? Right, right. I'll, I'll end up with just vinyl tech smokescreen uh, cabinets full of them. Yeah. Well, why not? You know, but I think fictionally it, accurate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True. I think it's a line now that I could I could sort of see myself getting back to one day. I don't know. I, I do really still appreciate it. I had uh, my vinyl tech hound. Um, in hand until fairly recently and every time I looked at it I just thought wow this thing's so cool it's just great uh, I mean it's one of the better molds I think from the series anyway but I mm-hmm. you know I just love that toy um, but just so nice to kind of handle and transform and just think it looks great and it's one that I would you know presumably I think always display in vehicle mode over robot mode which is unusual for sure yeah I think what you'll find with vinyl tech is that there's a lot of affection for it yeah. Very few people remember it sourly, I think. And But even though people have decided that their money would be better spent on Masterpiece, so that active spending goes towards Masterpiece and maybe Vintage and other new toy lines, the affection remains for Vinyl Tech and Alternators. I think we all just had a really great time collecting them at the time. Yeah. I do I do see some um, less positive comments on it, though. Like, you do see people, you know, and again... I don't, I don't want to generalize, but it does sometimes seem to be people that maybe haven't held the toys in hand, you know, that they post mm. pictures of stuff and they're like, oh, that doesn't, you know, that looks a bit awkward or, uh, you know, why is Shockwave a car or, you know, whatever. And uh, I don't know, I guess it's the old classic, isn't it? That it's, 
it means more to you if you were there at the time <laughs> than if you're looking back on it retrospectively. So, If you haven't tried to fold up Binaltech Smokescreen's arms and get those shoulders under that hood and get those magnetic points aligned, you haven't earned your stripes in this hobby, mate. If you haven't tried it and succeeded... It's a rite of passage. It, it is a rite of passage. First came ROD Sideburn, and then it was Smokescreen and his mates. <laughs> and then Binaltech Grimlock for the unlock achievement reward. Yeah. You know, it's funny, actually, talking about Sideburn. I know we talked about him earlier as well, but mm. I actually transformed that toy. Uh, I got th- uh, four versions of it, that mold, and I transformed three of them um, earlier today, I think it was. And uh, it, it's quite easy now. It's funny. Yeah. but uh, And it's I, really I do... ingenious too, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, 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 very, very clever. It's just, do you know what it is with that toy? It's a bit off topic, but it's it's um, having it in the right order. So it's like the way that you have to half turn the waist to fold the one arm around and stuff mm. like that. And you've just got to get it in a very specific order of steps. And sometimes it's a half step to facilitate another step, which I think is actually quite clever because it's like a legitimate yeah. puzzle as opposed to just, you know, work through these steps, um, which I really kind of like. Um, but I'm trying to think now, I'd, I, I'd be interested to see now what I made of some Binaltech toys and their kind of complexity, because they never felt, I guess at the time, they felt like maybe they were quite complicated, some of them, you know, but now I, I kind of feel like maybe they wouldn't. I think they were just different. I mean, I, I always think of Binaltech smokescreens legs, and how you have to bend those, the knees and everything at just the right angle. Yes. And sometimes you do, you haven't bent it quite enough. There's just a little bit more give in the bend. And then the back of the car compacts perfectly and aligns with the front. And uh, that was the first time I'd experienced a transforma- transformation like that. And it was almost like the slightly more complicated RID ones would prime you for what was coming. And then Binal Tech, of course, primed us for everything that came afterwards with you know things like masterpiece sunstreaker or just those more slightly complicated molds it's yeah like like you're saying about cyburn i still have that problem with prowl today where it's not a complicated toy but every time i pick it up it takes me a few moments to remember how it works it's because it's it just feels so different to mm. g1 or any other toy line the way those toys fold and convert and you look at it and it can take you a few minutes to actually work out where the bits are supposed to go and how they fold and do you mean R.I.D. Prowl or Binal Tech R.I.D. Prowl? R.I.D. Yeah, Prowl. Okay. It's just this, because there's it's, it's not actually that many steps involved. It's just working right. out how it folds, and it's it's so clever with the way it does it. And Yeah, it is, it is a good one. Mind you, thinking of uh, old Binal Tech Prowl, that's one to be careful with, isn't it? Yeah. Right. Uh, Mirrors off, first, yeah. first touch. Yeah, Exactly. I Incredible. thought, actually, it was interesting. I, I think that my copy had a mirror off, and I, I don't think I'd even necessarily noticed at the time until i read about it online and then was like oh no do you know what i mean and realized that actually it must have happened uh, at some so point bad. so yeah i thought you were going to say you didn't realize so you took a photo and someone then tweeted you underneath where's that left wing mirror or something right oh that, that was a different time that was a, that was mm. you know that was when you made your own discoveries and, and actually a little flaw in your collection could merrily go unnoticed for years <laughs> at a time without someone online just you know pointing it out on a daily basis. Now I wake up in the morning and uh, I wake up to little messages telling me what I've done wrong the day, the day before, <laughs> you know, I mean, which is always a great... I, I'm, I'm sort of trying to make a rule to myself to not you know, read tweets or whatever before coffee, just because it's like too depressing. You know, when you're first thing in the morning and someone's like, 
oh, you forgot to fold this bit down or whatever, or forgot to yeah. do this. C- casting or... shade on a whole line that you don't collect. Like, oh, how yeah, dare you or... not collect that line? Of why, toys? why did you not include this toy or whatever? Yeah. I don't know, all of that stuff. But um, it's not really a big problem, but it's just first thing in the morning. Sometimes it can be a bit kind of like, cool. Yeah, well, you're um, mix. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's what was it what we were saying about cornflakes before? But uh, it's a, <laughs> strikes me that uh, yeah, back in those days it was a very different thing. You just collected f- for yourself, didn't you? you? Didn't there was no social media in the same way? You know, obviously there was the internet and there was online Transformers presence. There were forums and but you didn't post absolutely everything you did on like Twitter or there was none of that. So there were very, very few people who did. Do, do you remember Remy's world? I do. Does yeah. anyone remember the photographer Remy? He used to have. Um, it was around about that time when I, thought, I can't remember what else was in the market, but it was like reissue exclusives, uh, maybe just the early vinyl tech. There were just very few collectors who were sharing really high resolution photographs of toys. It, it definitely wasn't a prevalent thing at all. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty sure I wasn't even on like Twitter at that point. Well, I think it's. Uh, kind of taken on now a whole new dimension. It probably is interesting and relevant to the discussion in many ways because it, it's taken on now a whole new or brought a, new, a whole new aspect to the hobby. And and no doubt the way that, you know, particularly younger collectors collect, you know, c- clearly the internet and social media is going to be such a huge part of that. And And actually, I think that I've certainly seen it with a number of masterpiece toys and others where opinions are made up and quickly shared on a particular toy that, you know, is maybe not liked or or whatever online. And that kind of becomes like its established reputation, if that sort of makes sense, was I think actually back there. The the narrative is driven by by the fans, yeah. Very much so, very much so. And to the point where, I mean, you know, we've, (laughs) <laughs> we've joked about it in private before but i you know that i have had, definitely had more than a few messages from from people saying that they don't like a particular toy i've posted a picture of and then when i'm like oh it's, that's a shame you know get into conversation it turns out that they don't own it and I, that no, yeah. is yeah. that's a symptom of the internet you know that's people just seeing an opinion online and then and it turns out that maybe you know some youtuber has said it or, or whatever and that they've just kind of taken that if you like as the accepted opinion on that toy and i don't think you got that back then i think you were you were more free you know does that make sense to to well the narrative back then was driven by places like tfw yeah but but even then tfw was i suppose a lot of dissenting voices wasn't it it was lots of lots of people all with different opinions as opposed to what you have now where you get um well yeah certainly yeah but what you have (laughs) What you have now, of course, is is more prominent people. I mean, there were prominent people back then as well, but I don't know. It just feels different somehow. I can't really put my finger on it, um, but it does feel different to me, certainly. Yeah, it, it's not a few people doing what well, what you do now, which is um, you know being on the on, on a video platform, making it making reviews of toys that come out early, and then people adopting those feelings you know with people with very strong followings and because you you do get that don't you You get a lot of people saying i watch this person's reviews and i watch that person's reviews and it's i wouldn't say it's tribal but it's definitely to the point where people have their preferred content creators and it's not surprising that they if they haven't experienced toys they will adopt those opinions and you know before they've had a chance to experience them themselves i think so and i think you know maybe it's natural to a certain extent and it's you know of course it's going to happen 
Um, I guess it's, if anything, now it feels weird to kind of look back to, you know, 2005, 2006, and think of a time when that wasn't the case. You know, it's it's hard to sort of imagine now in a funny way. I'm, I'm just thinking of like, you know, getting Final Tech Prowl or whatever and not immediately putting pictures on Twitter and being like, oh, look at this. And, you know, 20 people reply going, love it, hate it, whatever. You don't, you didn't get any of that. It was just literally you at home. You know, uh, what, what do I think no, of this actually, toy? actually, you, you, did, you did get that and I was pretty guilty of it. Oh, yeah? I, I wasn't my Yeah, because of course, those, t- those test shots, like the test shots that were coming out. If uh, you got right, one of okay. the test shots, you would share photos and you'd, make a whole thread about it, get on the news page and you'd start getting questions about, well, what's the toy like? How does it transform and, and all that stuff. So just to a lesser degree, I think. Who's more than they pretend to be? Mega Pretender Transformers, Mega Pretenders. Inside one, there's the other. Then they both transform and combine to form another. Okay, so we've spoken a lot about the car modes. We should probably talk about the robot modes a little bit. What did you guys think of the articulation on alternators and battle tech because for its time it was still quite novel wasn't it i mean already it had very and beast wars had had very good articulation hadn't they and so here we're still seeing a lot of engineering mixing so it's quite new and they probably don't quite get the rep they deserve for it but some of it's a little bit wonky isn't it um i think it's interesting because i i think as you said you know we'd already kind of got used to articulated toys by that point you know with uh well with generation two was the first to do ball joints uh, Beast Wars carried that on, Beast Machines, you know. So, and then obviously RID, but so it had that had become quite firmly established for well since the nineties, early nineties even. But I think this was something different. I think the articulation, I think on the whole, was pretty good. It wasn't ball jointed, so it felt different to a lot of the mainline stuff at the time. Um, but I think that it was. They weren't like super, super poseable and it wasn't up with what you get now or what you maybe think of now with modern masterpiece and all of that. But I don't recall ever thinking, wow, I wish these toys were like way more articulated than they are. Uh, you know, smokescreen, all of that, they were fine, I thought, in terms of articulation. Certainly think if I thought back to that original one that drew me in, that swindle, that was great. You know, that was all the articulation I wanted on that toy. I wasn't you know, now it's like you would see it and think, well, where's the ab crunch? You know, where's the, um, all of that kind of added articulation that has sort of become normal? Uh, you know, where's the, the butterfly joints on the shoulders and things like that? But back then it, it was great for the day, I think. Yeah, that, I, I agree, yeah. Well, I was just going to say on smoke screen, it's funny because whenever I pick him up now, it's, I always hate that when other people do it and they go, oh, it doesn't have this or it doesn't have that. But yeah. whenever I pick it up, I'm always really thrown by the lack of like a bicep swivel on his arms. And it feels like such a really weird quibble. But when you move the arms, and I think it's because we do so much photography, I'm so used to picking up a toy and being able to twist the arms and, you know, and pose it. And everything mm-hmm. you do with that toy just feels so different. And I'm wondering if a lot of the articulation complaints that you do see about them, it even for myself, I wonder if it's sort of backdated and it comes from being so used to things being so good now. You sort of look at little things that are missing and yeah. they feel bigger than they did at the time. Whereas you wouldn't I think have it definitely, is, definitely is a bit of that for sure. I think there was um, one example where at the time it was obvious that there was an articulation issue and that was with the Viper mold, especially Sideswipe. And that was the second one in the entire yeah, line. Yeah, that's true, actually. That's true. The legs um, yeah. Were, were, yeah, you're right, actually. Uh, not the most really stable one. 
Yeah, and it didn't look at all natural when you had busted out a pose. I mean, I was looking at my old photos where I thought I'd posed it really well and was like, yeah, that looks really painful and, and awkward for the robot. Yeah, the only real sort of stance you could do was just like tilting the legs slightly, wasn't it? Just fanning them out so that it kind of had yeah. almost like a hands-on-hip style pose. That worked pretty well. But yes, you're right. That wasn't the the best for it. Actually, now that I, you know, I'm sort of saying it was all good at the time, but I'm sort of thinking about a few more examples. Um, like Wind Charger actually was a bit awkward. Yeah, Prowl. Yeah. So yeah, maybe it wasn't the Big best bulky actually. Legs. I, yeah. yeah. There were, there were definitely... Tracks as well was a little tricky. Well, I was just going to say, uh, there was definitely a bit of, um, you know, a few of them, kibble kind of impeding the articulation yeah. going on. And tr- tracks was one of That's that what was it was one for me. Um, Absolutely right. Trax yeah. actually was very articulated. It had all the joints I think you could really want, but it just had like the rocket launchers, car bits hanging off here and there. It had the kind of hip skirt thing going on, um, which looked great. It actually was all quite meaningful. They really kind of made the most of it, but it mm. did impede. It is a lot of it as well. They do have a lot of the joints, but do you think it's possibly because they are a lot of large car parts, aren't they? Like today, modern transforms, if they did them now, there'd be like 4,000 different folding panels for the chest alone. Whereas then they're still very much like the RID toys where there's lots of, like the whole front is just one piece, isn't it? And yeah. It's a lot like that. For some so of them it, it was, yeah. So it kind of takes away a lot of, not so much the articulation, it's dynamism, isn't it? it you can't bend, even if they've got those joints, mm. they don't bend in sort of a human kind of way do they it's very stiff and but you know in a funny way it kind of made them feel more g1 you know like classic g1 it kind of felt like but particularly the the metal ones you know vinyl tech it kind of felt like like i'm thinking of you know predominantly the smokescreen mold or you know all the kind of remolds of that i don't know it just it really had that kind of classic g1 but in a modern toy feel to it because of the way that the whole front of the car becomes the chest you know there's no fake parts nothing kind of ah, shrank down yeah, you know yeah, yeah. i'm sure there was okay here we go okay. Okay. Yeah, straight to tracks yeah okay. that i was oh, waiting for chest. an to do <laughs> but chest, it looked so yeah, good on him didn't it it did it yeah, did I was I was meaning the the smokescreen mold particularly, but <laughs> but yes, you are right. Tracks did have the fake chest, and it worked well. Actually, it worked wonders. Uh, I guess that's an interesting one because that was uh, obviously an attempt by them to replicate his original G one look, whereas they didn't need mm. to do that because other toys weren't going for that. You know, other toys, right. you know, the heads maybe looked more like the G one toy. But otherwise, they kind of you know throughout the rule book a little bit. I mean, uh, actually, Dead End or Sunstreaker is kind of a good example of that, where there's not really a lot about that toy other than the head that looks like right. G1 Sunstreaker. So I wonder why they did it with tracks. Who knows? I mean, there's evidence all throughout the line of them trying different things, isn't there? It does. Like, it feels so much like a testing ground, doesn't it? Like when you mm. sort of look back on it now, there are so many elements that are picked up in modern toy lines, like like the fake chest, which is quite a standard thing now, isn't it? But you mm-hmm. see them first appearing here. Yeah, I was thinking about this whole uh, fake-out thing, and, I, and I, the first example I can think of is Power Master Optimus Prime was the first oh, one. What, with, that, with, the with, the fa- with the windows? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, So you ha- he had the front of the cab, and then when you fold out the arms of the cab, he's got chest windows, which aren't actually windows in any other mode. Yeah. So, But yeah, I think Trax was the first one that, that did it that blatantly for the purposes of looking accurate to a, to a point in time, to a particular yeah. reference item. Well, what about MP1? MP1's got the old fake grill. 
Yes, he does. Oh, yeah. Very good point. Mm, it's always it's always been there in the master. It's funny. I mm. saw someone actually commenting on this not so long ago about masterpiece, saying, "Oh, you know, all these modern masterpieces, all with their fake parts." And it was like, um, it's it's been there since the beginning. It's always <laughs> been a thing. Um, but yeah, no, MP1 had famously the fake grill, the fake grill, and I actually remember the, uh, seeing the fake grill for the first time, and I distinctly remember thinking that's genius you know that was my immediate reaction to it was like that's so clever in terms of the engineering involved and you know just thinking that what what a great solution actually to to get it to what you want it to look like yeah and i really don't think it's a problem for us to be talking about mp1 so regularly because it just seems so intertwined with vinyl tech it's the very same time isn't it yeah december 2003 isn't it i think and Vinyl tech and alternators is so much about its time. A lot of the people I speak to who speak about it fondly don't just remember the toys fondly. They remember the period of time in collecting fondly and the people that they met. I mean, I've got to mention like Super Quad 7, Alan, who's such a big, you know. Good dude. Yeah, he's, and is such a proponent of uh, vinyl tech and alternators, was still very much starting chat groups and and threads on forums about the subject when Masterpiece was well underway, you know, I re- I remember this very clearly. And he's one of the guys who customizes and customized vinyl tech and alternators toys to the point where he could almost have any character at hand creating new characters. I mean, I don't know how many Subaru molds that boy bought, but it was like loads. So, you know, there was like a massive kicking customization scene as well. So remembering that period of time is almost as important for everyone who's into this toy line as the toys themselves. So I'm really not surprised that MP1 has come up a lot tonight in discussion well it's funny yeah. when, you, when you talk about them both like that because it is like with vinyl tech and alternators it's it's like you're both the opposite way around almost with masterpiece it's always looking backwards whereas with vinyl tech and alternators when that came out everyone was looking forwards at the mm. future and it's such a different i don't know it's weird how they're so similar and one feels like it's evolved from the other but they both look at things in the opposite direction almost yeah i think if you hadn't have had Vinyl tech. I, I don't know. Would you have had masterpiece and its kind of new guys? You know, the the post MP10 era. Would have there would there have been the appetite, or would Takara Tomi have realised the appetite for all the car bots? You know, all done with realistic license alt modes and all of that. I don't know. Maybe they would have done, but it does feel like vinyl tech really paved the way for that. Certainly. Right. Um, In many respects, I think, yeah, anyway. I agree. Yeah, I, I definitely think so. And I think you know, all right, vinyl tech ultimately wasn't. You know, it didn't last all that long. It was only four or five years, but it, I think its influence has been quite, quite big, actually, in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, as far as collector-focused lines go, uh, not mainline, is Masterpiece the only longer-running collector-focused line? Than I mean, not that we've had that many in. Yeah, in well, Masterpiece. But... No, we haven't. Masterpiece is eighteen years old now, which mm, is yeah. rad, absolutely yeah, insane. It's crazy. It's mad, yeah, really, really. Uh, but but can you even really consider Masterpiece the same line? I don't know, because <laughs> it's so right. different to when it started. Yeah, it's very so. different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is mad to but think that that's another MPO episode. MPO1 yeah. can vote. That's how. Yeah. <laughs> he can buy a pint. And, and drink. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, Even with the numbering of that toy, it wasn't even MP01, was it? It was just like MP1. Yeah. yeah. Yes. You might get yeah, another yeah. one, <laughs> but it's never going to get to 10. <laughs> It's just, yeah, exactly. It's, it's weird to keep going back to it, but it is just amazing thinking about that time and how seeing those two toys at the same time and 
just this whole looking back at it now how different things are for us and what we see what we're into what we collect how the toys are marketed and pushed and it's just such a different that whole thing of seeing g1 again like like new wasn't it it was just incredible whereas now everything is so g1 yeah, or the, I think the thing I often think is that you imagine now if a new line came out, and, and all right, we're a bit saturated with it all now, but whatever. Uh, imagine a new line came out and it was an Optimus Prime. And it wasn't like a whole wave of toys announced, you know, like, so we've just had the old Hasbro Pulse Fan Fest and, you know, you, less, you lose count of the reveals. You know, what else is there? What else is there? Okay, another another thing. Here we go. Just back then, one toy is unveiled and released. And then it's actually the better part of another two years before the next toy in that line is released. And you've got this other sort of concurrent line that's also pumping out things, but you've got one toy announced in that as well. And then, uh, you know, a second one comes out um, sort of, you know, what is it, a couple of months, a year later or whatever. Um, but then it's a lot of it is repaints. How long would that last now? It just wouldn't. I mean, it really took mm. uh, kind of a good long while for things to kind of kick into gear and i don't know it never felt like a problem at the time it it was almost like you could be hanging on waiting for the next thing but the anticipation of it all was just worth it somehow it just kept you on the hook yeah uh, think about think it now if you if you weren't into the main line if you weren't into unicorn trilogy and i wasn't and i wasn't at the time and there were just like a handful of g1 reissues i remember like a lot of my collecting activity was just looking for vintage stuff. I, I was still my, you know, there was a very big aspect of the Transformers community was still vintage collecting and, and stuff to do mm. with that. And then we had the mainline uh, collectors. So yeah, when something came along that introduced one new thing that we were really into, yeah, they could dine out on that for a fair few number of repaints and months before we started to get a bit annoyed about where it was going. And, you know, the evidence is right in front of us. You know, we all sustained interest in that line for a, for quite a long time. Well, if if you recall those sort of toys, it was like that, wasn't it? If you were sort of like the mainline toys, every time there was one G1 repaint, everyone went mad because it was such a random thing to see, wasn't mm. it? It was just so unusual at the time and people kind of gravitated toward that. And it's so different now. It's the complete opposite end yeah. of the spectrum, isn't it? And it's right. like six Sixo was saying there about how the space between the releases, it's like... If you look at the way everything's done now, it's always in waves, isn't it? It's you would know what they are for a year in advance, and it would all be massively mapped out by Hasbro and Takara years and years in the future. Whereas this never felt like that, did it? It always felt like something just popped up out of nowhere, and it was this kind of surprise more than anything. Yeah, the magazine pictures, the grey resin prototype. Uh, Trax is the one I really remember as showing up in the magazine scans. I can't remember if it was Hyper Hobby or Dengeki Hobby or one of those, and it was just the grey prototype of Trax, Vinyl Tech, and I was like. Yeah, that's how we got to see a new one. Yeah. And imagine then, like what we get now, you know, imagine back then, you know, if there was like an online event or something like that, and mm. the designers, the actual toy designers were going to show you on screen, hey, look, here's these new 12 toys that we've designed as part of a trilogy of toys with an accompanying cartoon. And woof, yeah. here it all is, all mapped out for you. Uh, you know, mm. pre-orders go up. You can order this thing yeah. online yeah. in the next half hour. You know, it, it just right. would have been. I, what would we have done with that at the time? I don't know. Now it's it's like, I don't know. You yeah. see something and you think, and oh, think about the, where's, the, where's the pre-order? <laughs> you know, it's mad. Yeah. yeah, and think about the prices. Like Black Zarek just went up, and you know the Ark 
you know, that's two Titan pre-orders within like yeah. the space of a couple of days. <laughs> I think it was something like that. And and back then we were even like talking about, oh, well, I'm not really sure I'm going to buy the the repainted version of that vinyl tech that's coming out at the same time. So it's a little bit costly, you know, pay £40 for one and then another one. But now, like you mm. said, yeah, an entire wave is advertised and people will drop the pre-order for the entire wave. Well, that's the thing. I mean, yeah, that, that FanFest event, you know, I think, what, 90% of the pre-orders were live at the end of it, you know, and uh, so, you know, you're going to get people merrily dropping, I mean, hundreds of pounds or, or dollars or whatever straight away on that. And it's, um, I don't know, it, maybe it's normal to some people now. Sign there's of the still, times. <laughs> yeah, it's a sign of the times. There's still a part of me, the, the 2003 to 5 part of me, that's like, wow, that is insane, you know? And it's it's only kind of when you step back and, and this look is after it, a planet landed on their doorstep. Well, that's <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've just had Unicron, let's not forget. It's, uh, you know, and they also yeah. unveiled a, a, that £700 Optimus as well, you know? So it's... Right. It, I wonder if that's the equivalent of, of MP1 back in 2003. Yeah. Like, oh, and yeah. also, here's this really special, completely separate. So are we going to be sitting here in about 18 years' time talking about how there's an entire line of G1 accurate RoboSen self-transforming <laughs> toys now? They'll be self-podcasting toys. They won't be us. <laughs> It'll be them. <laughs> They'll just be buying themselves, I think, at that point. They'll just show up. Yeah. Just show turning up, up at your house. doorstep on their own, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, oh, the Amazon drone that comes up to your house and turns into a robot, and it's that's yeah, your toy. Yeah, the drone. <laughs> We've built you, by the way. Don't worry. Like you're, you're all set. How about I make your dinner now? You know, it's it's just going to be. Where does it and, end? and he will have his Optimus Prime Butler finally. Yeah. <laughs> Living the dream. That's all I can yes. say. A little finally. tiny tray. Little yeah. package on it. <laughs> My little G one Optimus with his white white fists can retire at that point. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's all getting a bit Terminator Rise of the Machines, isn't it? Except it's going to be our toy collection rising up against us at this point. Oh, well, uh, you're completely screwed, fun. mate. <laughs> Looking behind <laughs> you, the entirety of Cybertron behind you. <laughs> Definitely outnumbered. Yeah. But it's just, I don't know, it's, it is funny to think back at the difference. And I know we keep saying it, and I know we're all like, I, I, you know, part of me is slightly worried that people listening to this that weren't around at the time might be like, oh, my God, these three old boys, you know, talking about, talking about the old days or whatever. But I think it is interesting. It's probably like a whole episode in itself to just t- look at how the scene has changed that much and what... Mm-hmm. It's the internet, what the internet's done to a lot of it. And it's good. It's it's good stuff. It's it's made the hobby way more accessible for a lot of people. And it's cleared up so many mysteries and, you know, it's created community and all of that. But it's it's brought a lot of weird stuff as well. I don't know. It's just interesting. Now the Decepticons have monster pretenders. Monster pretenders with rubbery skin. Beyond, beyond anything you've ever seen before. Transformer monster pretenders. You mentioned community. I feel like that period of time really cemented a lot of community ties between people mm. and, and people in lots of different countries as well. I remember I, I bought some of my vinyl techs off a, a Japanese dealer on eBay, Zero F. And he, you know, that was like the place to go to for me on eBay. Like, new vinyl tech, I'll buy through him. And it got to the point where, you know, we it was back when you could actually have a conversation with people on eBay when you bought from them. It wasn't just this whole cold add to cart, pay, leave feedback, 
distinct process. It was it was a communication. It got to the point where that dude actually agreed. You know, he bought um, tickets to a concert for me in Japan because I was supposed to travel to Japan at the time. And he was like, "Yeah, man, don't worry, I'll, I'll get those tickets for you when they come out." And it was you know, and we would write to each other and just like check up on each other and, and stuff like that. When there was the, yeah, like wow. when there was the massive earthquakes and the tsunami in in Japan, I, I was talking to him, and making sure him and his family were okay. And, like that was a, a bond that was formed at that time, and a lot of people I still talk to today I met through Vinyl Tech and Alternators. Man, so it, I'm just it, happy it if different. I can get just happy if I can get more than four words out of some people on eBay, which, <laughs> yeah, asking, well, exactly, a, yeah, asking yeah. a question or whatever, you know. But uh, yeah, it, it definitely was a different time. Um, it and is, that's not, and it's you know, it, it's just it is quite incredible, and it, I think it touches back on something you were saying earlier about how different it all is with social media and stuff and how you interact and it, i think a lot of it is like you're saying about the pre-orders you get swept up don't you because there's such a community thing now you get swept up in the excitement because everybody's doing it it's all happening in real time whereas before at this time you'd sort of see this for the first time on the internet maybe a picture and then the next time mm. you see it would be in a shop possibly you'd be like wow there it is whereas there you see everybody at the same time is so excited and you join in and then you're like you can't wait to pre-order it and so you get in really yeah. fast and there's FOMO. this whole yeah, and even though it's not going to sell out, everybody rushes and they're like, "Oh my god, the pre-orders are going to be gone," and this like really ever happens. I don't remember any vinyl text selling out. I don't remember there being one that I couldn't get when I, even when it was at its height of hype, like when BT Tracks was coming out and we just had Hound and Dead End. I felt like that was the height of the hype. Uh, I I was just dipping in at that point. I was like, yeah, well, let me just go back and pick up BT01 then because I've got the alternator. Let let me go and get Smokescreen and at the first release. And it was still widely available online. I don't remember at any point being like, I can't find this toy at any stage during BioNTech. Alternators, though. Alternate is a whole different story. (laughs) What? Different to get? Yeah, there were some alternators that, you know, I wanted to buy them at retail and it just wasn't. Do, Do you guys not remember how hard it was to get an alternator swerve? The red repaint of tracks. I never got one. Never, never tried. That was a really tough toy to find. Uh, it, it was going for quite a lot on secondhand market because it was really difficult to get them. In the end, I think a friend of mine picked it up at retail in Denmark and sent it to me. Do you know? I think I just completely missed Swerve as a thing. I, I think it was actually only recently, or maybe it was the other day. I can't even remember when I was doing the notes for this. But, uh, you know, I, I looked it up and was like, oh, it's a shame that they never did like a Road Rage repaint of tracks. And then kind of looked it up and was like, oh, they did, but it was some mm. other dude. You know, it's like, uh, you know, <laughs> it, it, I don't know, it's just one of those weird kind of memory lapses or whatever that they actually did that, I guess. See, my, my buying habits at this time were so different to that. I wasn't... I wasn't even aware of completing lines or car- I didn't even realize Swerve existed for years. It's for me. It was I'd pick up the odd one when I saw it in a shop. That was I, there wasn't no sort of chase to complete them or anything like that, or sort of really following the line beyond what I saw on the internet and what I then purchased in the shops. It was only yeah, very much same. like the odd one here and there. Well, you know how it is. Every line has its nerds. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and people. Yeah, I I realize I'm painting a target at my own back here, but. I remember As we're when podcasting about yeah. transforming robots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are we the jocks? Yeah. Are that what we're the jocks, man. Yeah, yeah. You and me, Liam, we're the jocks. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Is, the nerd. But is this a bad time to continue this line Go of jets. thought that I'm going to talk about how <laughs> Alternator Streak had a left hand and a right hand drive version? Should I just stop right there then? No, we're going to have to find these nerds. So then the line would look like that. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, no nerds here. That's for certain. <laughs> so you're you know, I, you're I, you're going to talk about variants now, aren't you? I knew. No, no, no. no. Just like alternators was a different story to Biontech. I think. Um, because, you know, we weren't getting them on import. It was like, where do you find them? Who's got access to them? Can I get one? Like, th- there was a lot of stuff I never saw at retail for alternators. I was really lucky to find the Ravage, and, and uh, you know, the one that came after, you know, when, when alternators were still carrying on. But I never got the Rumble. Like, I never even saw Rumble. I still, to this day, have not seen alternators Rumble. I never I've got never, a roll bar. Uh, never had one in hand. I, I'm always curious about that rumble. It always yeah. looked a bit awkward to me. I don't know, but um, mm. would love to see it. Really how, cool how car the, mode. Yeah, yeah, very cool car mode. A bit different. But uh, how was the Ravage? Because that always intrigued me. The, that was such a clever little thing, wasn't it? It was a Jaguar, which is what Ravage used to be, and also a Jaguar, you know, a, an yeah. XK8. And yeah. um, I think it was really well thought of. I never opened mine. I was just like, felt like I was saving it for this moment to open it. But then I just sold all the alternators and that went with it. So I never really got to experience it properly, but it's a very well thought of toy in that line. But at that point, it was like that and Rumble and it was it for for alternators at that point. It was the missiles for me. It was the first time I was moving the legs and the missiles came out and it was just such a crazy sort of concept. Because there are two different Ravages, aren't there? It was Battle Ravage. Yeah. Which was the black tracks that we spoke about earlier with the with the cat head, yeah. and uh, and then this the one the, like a proper ravage, the non beast wars one. Right, I guess so. Yeah, I guess that would have exactly been like G one ravage. Uh, yeah. yeah, beast wars is G one guys. Spoilers. <laughs> people know. People have seen beast wars in the last thirty years or whatever it's been. Honestly, people are aware of beast wars. Uh, but yeah, spoilers. Don't forget, I brought Beast Wars up this episode. It was me. Anyway. Yeah, I know. I'm just conscious. That, I set off uh, the panpipes. I was going to say, you <laughs> bought your own panpipes. Going to get you some panpipes for your birthday, honestly. <laughs> so so but, why do you think they did two of Ravage? Of all characters, why do you think there's two of Ravage? I wonder if it was just um, car license and thing, because obviously they got the license for Jaguar and like, it just was such a good fit, wasn't it? A Jaguar yeah. that turns into a Jaguar. Perfect. I mean, how could you miss that opportunity? You couldn't. So so do you think there was a, a was there a big gap between them then? Because I can't remember what how the timeline worked. I just assumed they would have been in development in a similar similar time. Dunno, like Battle Ravage was probably two thousand four. It was BT eleven. So yeah, maybe late two thousand four, very, very early two thousand five. And Jaguar would have been post movie, like uh, yeah, two thousand eight. It was two thousand eight, maybe. It was it was the real tail end, real tail yeah. end. It was after. I'm uh, just trying to think. It was after Rodimus and whatever, wasn't it? So um, yeah, that was a, that was an SDCC exclusive, wasn't it? The Rodimus. Yeah, and the Nemesis Prime as well was kind of that sort of thing. And that was like that kind of period. That was about two thousand seven, I think. And so I think it was after that. And they did, yeah, Rumble and Ravage. But I was always intrigued by the Ravage. I guess that's why I was asking about it. It's still one that today, whenever I see a picture of it, it's just I don't know. It's a toy that I often kind of think of randomly and just go, "Wow, I'd love to check that out someday." You know. I think the line's full of toys like that, don't you? Like it's yeah. And for people who aren't even really alternators collectors, there's going to be figures in this entire line that they'll look at and go, well, I'd love to have a go with that because it looks great. And I bet it's fun, you know, just to, just to I investigate. Think so. I think so. I see a lot of people talk about skids 
as mm. you know now that skids is kind of on the rise a little bit you know with with mm. obviously the masterpiece and uh you know obviously it was few that uh, got that toy made um when he did a video about it so i'm told um i'm joking <laughs> i'm joking i have seen people wonder that if it was these video that, that got it made i don't think it was maybe it was but uh, who, who can i think say? masterpiece has a slightly longer lead time than I, I suspect that may be the case, yeah. not to disillusion anybody, but uh, but but who knows? We can say it was to you. But um, but I think a lot of people, you know, with skids kind of coming back into prominence, I've seen a couple of comments about the alternator toy and uh, people thinking that it looks good. Uh, it's great. It is. Go on, great if you're toy. listening to this and you're curious, go and get it. It's so lovely. I, I had the Scion version first. I had the test shot first. And it was really, really good. <laughs> Even That's with the flames, story. yeah, yeah, it, <laughs> it was such a nice, little, great head sculpt, man. Really nice, yeah, really nice. Yeah, the and smallest you're... weapon in the history of Transformers, <laughs> but really good toy. I, I thought he has that. the flames, doesn't he? Yeah, he has got the flames because the American one was the Scion. It yeah. was, and it was just like that car with the flames was a very pimp my ride kind of flavor, and it's, that's it's... what that car is associated. with. Whereas the yeah. Toyota BB in Japan, which is the vinyl tech, I think is a slightly different sort of vibe to it. And that, you know, that had stick on flames, obviously. Yeah. The Hasbro one's got that very, uh, that early 2000s new metal vibe to it, doesn't it? It's got that <laughs> yeah. sort of the offspring. There's the flame tattoo. There's just some, you can imagine surfboards on the roof of it. Is that kind of. Blaring out um... good Charlotte from the windows. <laughs> <laughs> were, there, were there any toys that you didn't have at the time but would love to maybe still still get i know we've kind of talked about rumble and those guys but were there were there any that kind of really passed you by that you thought oof, that's a shame rc and argent meister i would really love to have and the auto looper from kiss players those were the three yeah. I, I still would have made the effort to to try and get but i had pretty much everything else do you remember ricochet the the stepper in the yes. alternators line yeah that was another one that i i was aware of but i think i'd completely forgotten about uh and again you know just doing a couple of notes for this recording was shocked actually that they'd done a, a, a ricochet you know a stepper repaint i was like wow okay yeah that did happen um mm. it's mad actually when you think about that that shows a lot of love for the franchise and that they yeah alternators was really kicking them I, I think the most underrated alternator was camshaft. You know, the grey yes. version of Prowl. That was such a lovely looking toy and a great mould. Yeah. And, and, a, very... and another nice nod. Mm. Yeah. A rare throwback to Omnibots. Is that, right. Is that one? Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I think there were a couple definitely that at the time that I would have loved to have taken a crack at. I don't know. I guess I, guess I mentioned it because in many ways it's kind of a, it feels like the line that I sort of have to stop myself thinking, "Ooh, I'll just get a couple of those because I know what would happen." Do you know what I mean? I know that I know that it would lead to to worse things. Let's say I often kind of flirt with the idea of getting a, a BT smokescreen because I had an alternator back in the day and uh, would have loved the metal version. Um, I, I think that I still yeah. have one. I think this is the line where Me you too. can actually have one He's because the only one I still have as well. Those car modes are so beautiful that you can just have. And I, and I know in your case, Sixo, you were talking about Kiss Players Rodimus. Yeah, I may have come yeah. across one on eBay last night that was a very reasonable price that I might link you to yeah. later Here today. we go. But I still have a Binotech Smokescreen GT version. You know, the one that came with one launcher and missile, and you had to get the other release to get a second launcher and missile. Cheeky buggers. And uh, I bought the two, because you do. And uh, 
everything got sold off, but I kept Smokescreen with the two launchers, and I still have that on display at my work desk in my office. And uh, I think it's really possible to have just one. If there's one that you love above all the others, that you revere the way I revere that smoke screen, it's possible to just have one and not have this desire to get loads of them. Cause you know, when it comes to this line, you probably don't need all of them. It's, it's space, it's expense, actually probably not that much expense these days, but you're not going to get on with all of them. And none of us really got on with all of them, all the alternators, all the biotechs. I reckon you can just pick one and have that be yeah. like a special tribute. Well, the- they're sizable things, aren't they? As well, it's it's hmm. fair to say they you know they do take up a lot of space. I mean, they make for an incredible display on a shelf. But yeah, it's real space eaters. We now return to the Transformers. So as we're talking about the exclusives, is this a good point to drop in the uh, the one? What I can't remember what it's called. You you talked about it before. What the the Meister, the one and yeah, only. The, it's pink, isn't it? Mayuko Iwasa edition. Yes, the Japanese model and actress, uh, Japanese model and actor, sorry. She designed the color scheme for that Vinyl Tech BT8 one off. It was to raise money for, for orphans who, you know, their families had been victims of uh, road accidents, I believe. And that was a one off item auctioned uh, back in what must have been 2004, something like that. And uh, yeah, it's a one-off, incredible looking item. I think we mentioned it in episode two. Yeah, but that's yeah, what led I, me to think of it. <laughs> I mean, I know there are lucky draw collectors who who still look for it to this day. And, you know, maybe they know who bought it. Maybe they're waiting for the for the moment that that comes up for sale again. But it's very likely that uh, a fan of the, of the person who designed the toy is, um, you know, a fan of Mayuko Iwasa actually owns it. Maybe not even a toy collector. They Maybe might not even know what it is. It's just in a box in storage. Yeah, it's it'll be in its glass case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not necessarily in the hands of a toy collector. So that that's um, that's an incredible piece. And then, of course, there's the Wonderfest exclusive BT17 Black Convoy that we talked about. Um, the Clear Mirage. It's, that it's, time clear to, mirage. it's time to talk about Mirage, isn't it? Yeah. This is. Oh the, man, that Clear Mirage. If do you know what actually? As well as Rodimus, if there was one I was going to go back and get, it would be that clear Mirage. It'd be the right one to do as well. I, I hope yeah. there's still many of them out there that haven't yellowed inside the package. But that is a wonderful, wonderful toy. It, it was Binal Tech. Un- it was under the Binal Tech banner. It wasn't diecast. But when you saw it, you could just forgive it because it was absolutely gorgeous. Am the right most gorgeous of them it's all. The only all plastic one, isn't it, in Binal Tech? Is that right? Because, mm. I mean, it's all clear plastic, mm, isn't it? I think so, yeah. I think BT19 to BT22 were die-cast, yeah. I think it is yeah. um, the, all, the the only all-plastic uh, vinyl tech, yeah, because obviously we had Kiss players afterwards that were yeah. also plastic. Like, plastic. But, yeah, on the vinyl tech, that was it. BT18, eHobby exclusive. Just fantastic. I can't say enough good things about it. It's absolutely gorgeous. Can you imagine if some yeah. of them have yellowed? What they're sort of like the. Uh, they have. The sh- I've seen them. Yeah. Are they like the little shiny Magnus? Then is that <laughs> tribute to, to Pierce Magnus? Uh, it's like those um, clear car brothers that you get f- from car robots. You know how some of them yeah. have discolored and they don't look properly clear anymore. It's that sort of thing that you get with it. I- I'm so glad we're on to Mirage now. I wanted to tell you this story about how I didn't break it. It was um, allegedly. Yeah. yeah, it was 2005 because they revealed Alternator's Mirage 
at uh, it was either Botcorn or OTFCC. I can't remember what it was in 2005. And uh, I got a phone call from Paul Hitchens, who was at the show. And he, you know, obviously he knew I was really into alternators. He was even able to buy some artwork from the artists of alternators box art at that show. So he calls me and says, they've just revealed alternators Mirage. And, you know, obviously I've got a bit of a thing for Mirage. And he said, it's amazing. You know, the wheels are on the front of the legs. And keep in mind, that was the first alternator that pulled that off. And uh, it's, it's a Ford GT. And I was like, for anyone who knows the Ford GT, you just knew that that was going to be the highlight of the line. And uh, it turns out they had this uh, resin prototype at the show. And then one of the Hasbro representatives broke it at the show. No. And obviously they had to put it back into a box and send it back to Takara broken. I think it was at the waist as well, which would have made it G1 accurate. But I, <laughs> I really hope that's true, but I don't know if it the is. Ultimate throwback. Yeah, but that was, um, uh, I think you even mentioned it earlier in the show, but it was an absolute line highlight. Mirage is just like top tier alternators, top tier. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful toy. I, I've always thought that the Ford GT was a beautiful looking car anyway, mm. just so unique, so individual and married really perfectly to that character you know not a uh, kind of a good one because not a traditional take obviously but still mm. works exceptionally well yeah. i think it's a, a good example of how they kind of mixed it up a bit but but in a really like the best way uh and the the robot mode is just brilliant yeah it really is excellent what a head sculpt not classic mirage but still very mirage and that's an incredibly yeah good skill to be able to pull off as a designer to completely change the head sculpt shape but still retain the character of the person it's homaging that's an incredible toy it's true actually yeah you're right because it is a very different take it's a very modern take and looks entirely different when you think about it but but still you look at that toy and you think mirage it's interesting that even the transformation on that toy is fantastic yeah. as well isn't it like i know yes. a lot of them get sort of a bad reputation for being overly complex or whatever, mm. but that one, it's just it's the way it unfolds and the way you clip the steering in with the wheels and stuff for the little sliding yeah. bar. It's just so... I remember the first time I transformed it and I didn't realise that was there until I noticed the pieces weren't attached and then clipped them together and I was like, oh my God, this is just amazing. And it's yeah, it's a very special toy, that one, I think. Really lovely opening doors as well and exactly the style of the Ford GT. Yeah. It, it feels like pretty much like the pinnacle of that whole line doesn't it it's like the one that probably feels like the best example of the toy line of everything coming together yeah and, and it's nice that it was so far into the toy line as well it's almost like you know because we've talked a little bit about how maybe the promise was not fulfilled but if you had said to anyone back in 2003 that you're going to get a mirage in this line and you know mirage has got to be treated right i don't think he's been treated well in recent no. lines but Alternators and Vinyl Tech treated him absolutely perfectly. And we got the most spectacular looking car. And let's not forget the original cartoon pilot. Who was the hero? Who saved the day mm. at the end? It was Mirage. It was, I think like that toy, I think thinking back, like I think the only gripe I ever had with it was the chest doesn't clip in, does it? It just kind of yeah, that's right. it just there. hangs. Very, yeah. It very just hangs, loose. Yeah. And then... Yeah. Master stroke of repainting it into Rodimus for Kiss players. That Rodimus, man. Yeah. <sighs> Love it. It's Premium amazing, feel. They are the same mold, but they feel so different with the colours yeah. and they're just it's a beautiful, beautiful toys. Was that the first ever Rodimus toy to have the visor in robot mode? Oh, I think it must have been at that point. 
because Classics Hot Rod is 2006, isn't he? Correct. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, we're in that time, aren't we? But yeah, that must be the first example of it. And the first one that it came was... with a fishing rod. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was. What it was a getting, toy, honestly. It was all getting a bit masterpiece actually, at that point, yeah. wasn't it? Like modern masterpiece you know, the fishing rod, it had a little human character, it had kind of different um, accessories that, you know, all kind of clipped together. And it was, it was a really interesting release. Uh, but I do think that that and the, the Kiss Players Convoy, I think they're two, it's an exceptional pair of toys. I think they go together really nicely. Um, and again, I, I know I said it earlier, but it's funny when people talk about Kiss Players that they kind of have a very definite view on it, but actually the toys are phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, it may have felt like these toy lines fizzled out and were just replaced. And I think it's unfair to not see them as going out with a bang because I think the last toys in in all of the associated toy lines were were great at the end. We had Jaguar and Alternators. We had, you know, we had Mirage as Vinyl Tech, and we had, um, yeah, we had Rodimus as Kiss Players, and even had Broadblast as Asterisk. You know, all of these end of line toys were spectacular. And I wonder how things would have turned out differently, maybe if we had them earlier. Destroyers from deep space. I just wanted to also spend a tiny amount of time talking about the artwork for Alternators and Vinyl Tech, because uh, it, I mean, maybe it's my lack of knowledge of the lines that just went previously, like Unicron Trilogy and, and Car Robots and Robots in Disguise. But I felt like the the artists that started working on the boxes and the packaging for Alternators. Uh, they've remained like really big names in Transformers. You know, they've they've been comic artists that are really widely celebrated. People like um, Marcelo Materi, uh, Alex Milne as well. You know, these are people who worked on uh, Guido Guidi as well. And I was really fortunate to to meet all these guys at various Transformers toy shows, Auto Assembly, Botcon, uh, and buy Alternators artwork from them. And uh, it, it's incredible how beautiful this artwork is and i i sold a lot of it over time but i have kept a few pieces and one of them is guido gidi's prowl because he actually had a shaded version of that prowl artwork for alternators and it was interesting because a lot of them had to redo the artwork when they were released from the big boxes to the bubble boxes and by looking through some of the artwork that these guys brought to shows uh for example i think it was grimlock um Marcelo had done the Grimlock artwork for the big box, and then he also had artwork for a bubble box version of Grimlock that actually never got released. Then there never was a bubble box version of the Grimlock alternator, the Mustang. And I tried for and I think Marcelo maybe didn't know that it hadn't come out because I missed the chance to buy it when I first saw it. And then every time I asked him about it subsequently, he was like, No, I think I'm gonna hold on to that one. That one's not I'm not gonna sell that one. So it was a really special piece of artwork. And uh, seeing the different styles of all the people who worked on Alternator's artwork and owning it for as long as I did was one of the biggest pleasures of being involved in in this toy line for me. And, and I still have some really treasured pieces, including Mirage. I still have the artwork, the original artwork for Alternator's Mirage in my collection. Do you know, it's funny, actually, I'd not even clocked that the artwork on the bubble boxes was so different, but it is, isn't it? Yeah. Um, completely redone. Because it's not uh, full body either. It's just basically from about the thighs upwards. Yeah. Yeah, it's really, really good artwork, actually. And it is... Um, it's beautiful. 
I think it's fair to say it was kind of leagues ahead of what what happened at the time. I mean, obviously, it wasn't kind of that far, you know, coming on the back of stuff like even Beast Machines, you know, which was all just kind of the one same picture of Cheetor. And that was kind of the real low, actually, at that point. Um, and there was actually some really nice artwork for some of the, uh, I think, you know, particularly some of the Japanese releases in the Unicron trilogy that actually did have some nice stuff. You know, Micron Legend art was pretty good. Uh, but for sure, the alternators artwork was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. How do you keep that artwork, Maz? Do you, do you store it or do you have it on display? Or I had all of my alternators artwork on display for many years while I was still living at home. And they were all uh, just, I, you know, I'm going to trigger somebody by saying this. They were in frames that I bought at Wilkinson's. You know, so basically it was just like a white back, put the artwork in, glass top and clip it together. But these days it's in a it's in an uh, art folio, like a proper proper art portfolio binder. Uh, not binder, sorry, it's the big folder. And uh, I think the bits I still have are Mirage and, and Prowl. I had to keep the Prowl by Guido. It was insanely nice. And Marcelo's Mirage are the ones that I've kept. And, you know, I'd love to display them. Like I was saying on, on episode four, one day I, I envisage having my Transformers artwork on the wall because, you know, artwork and Transformers just go hand in hand. It's it's a massive part of most people's love of these lines. It is. From from box art to comics and everything, isn't it? It's so intertwined with those toys and yeah. like the ideal of what those toys could do, even if it, that's not what the actual toys did themselves. It's kind of hmm. it's so much, isn't it? You know, with the rise of Masterpiece and the 07 movie, sort of Biotech kind of was covered then, wasn't it, by other, you know, other toy lines, basically. There wasn't really that much need for it. But it did sort of carry on spiritually, didn't it, with Alternity and what was the other one? Oh, GT, Tran- uh, GTR. Yeah, Transformers GT. But we'll save that for another podcast. <laughs> they deserve a good segment. They do. There's a lot to talk about there, aren't there? Oh, I, I could do an episode on those GT toys alone. They're just yeah. beautiful. But yeah, definitely one for another day. Okay, so before we wrap up, guys, I've got a quick few questions. But So what's your personal favourite of the, of Binotech or Alternator 6 uh, I, I At the risk of saying it again, you know, I think it would probably be the Mirage mould and, and no doubt that Hot Rodimus. Uh, version, I think, was just so beautiful. I do remember getting it. But, the, you know, there are tons that I loved at the time, tons of them that I think, you know, when when I put them in my brain, I'm like, oh, I love that one. I loved Hound. So that was a real favourite of mine. Just something about it. Loved the suspension, you know, the kind of um, little springy suspension that it had. Uh, that was really, really special. I think that was one um, that I first got as a vinyl tech as well, because I already had the alternator swindle. So that was, like, really magical, definitely. Um, absolutely love that one. Uh, really love the jazz as well, Meister. That was cool. Uh, but yeah, probably the GT mold for me, definitely. It's a fantastic choice. Maz, how about yourself? I think I'm going to go with the original Binaltech smokescreen, especially the 2004 Binaltech smokescreen GT with the launcher and, and the updated Subaru Impreza World Rally car mold. That was, um, and still is, just the most spectacular thing for Transformers to have done to marry those two universes together and to take a punt in this direction and, and do it such justice to the point where it could still own a display today. And there's not a single person I've ever shown that toy to who hasn't been impressed by it in some some way or form. And for alternators, it's alternators mirage because wow, <laughs> just wow. 
with the smoke screen, he's definitely the most iconic toy from this toy line, isn't he? And he's, and I don't know if you recall, do you remember the sort of small titanium toys they did? The really little mm-hmm. ones where they, yep. they did a smoke screen as the impression yes. again there, didn't they? Yep. Non-transforming little figurine, right? Yeah. Is that the only other piece of sort of merchandise or toy from those that, that sort of carried on? Does that make sense? Am I getting that words out right there? Do you know what I mean? I think so. I mean, <laughs> off the top of my head. And I do have that little thing, actually. That little titanium smokescreen thing here. Cool, cool. Okay, so following on from that, if someone... Well, what about you? Oh, my favourite. Yeah. Ah, see, well, I was originally I was going to say Mirage, but then I keep forgetting that I've got one other alternator, and it's the Hound, which is an excellent one, but it's painted as the Jurassic Park Jeep. <laughs> of course it is. Of course, yes. Of course it is. That's a fantastic gift from my friend Nathan, and it's just an amazing-looking sheep. But I've never transformed it because I'm so scared that paint might come off or something, and it's such a beautiful deco. But I know that it transforms. I'm so <laughs> glad that exists, and it's you who owns it. I was thinking about it when you were talking Perfect. about that, the one-off, and I was like, yeah. pop back into my head. I was like, oh, my God, yeah, of course. <laughs> Perfect. So I'll show you that in a bit. But yeah, so that is probably my favourite for personal reasons. But yeah, but if, if somebody else was thinking of getting into alternators and Biotech, is there a particular toy either of you would recommend as the as the gateway drug, so to speak? Hmm, I think that's a tough one. Um, I guess you know, Swindle or Hound again is a good one to kind of get started with, just because the benefits of the car mode are so obvious. Uh, and it's not one that is immediately identifiable as a robot. You know, the, there's not really much kibble to it or any of that. Transformation simple. Robot mode's really good. That could be a good entry one, I think. I'd say um, wind charger forward slash overdrive or um, jazz would be great too. The the Mazda RX-8 jazz is, is just gorgeous. Smokescreen also, you know, if if you like that sort of thing, if it's someone who's got a slightly car-based passion for these toys, and also Mirage. I mean, who's not going to love that Mirage? Yeah. And I think, I hope it's quite clear from this how, how much we are emphasizing that so much of the magic of these toys comes from actually holding them, doesn't it? They're not, mm-hmm. you know, they look beautiful on the screen, but particularly with Biotech and Alternators, there's something very special about having them in your actual hands, isn't there? Yeah, and they still have features that have not been bettered by latter toy lines. You cannot look at Masterpiece cars and say they are better car modes yeah. than it still has its its thing. You know, it still very much has its winning formula that yeah. still stands up today. It's, it's quite incredible when you look at sort of the Masterpiece Hound and then you take the Alternators Biotech Jeep and it's like they both do incredible accurate vehicle modes, but completely differently from mm. the way they transform, like how complex Hound is versus the alternate one, which is also complex, but it's just so so, so, so different. And it's just mm. an incredible experience, isn't it? Yeah, the vinyl tech toys, the designs, they weren't, um, they don't have that need to kind of contort in the same way to get to a specific predetermined configuration. You know, they don't need to look like the cartoon in robot mode. So they don't kind of need to be, as convoluted as, it, as maybe it needs to be. So like mm. with Masterpiece Hound is a good example because it's that transformation is one that until you do it, there's absolutely no way <laughs> that you could work that out in your brain, I don't think. Well, maybe some people could, I'm sure. 
um, you, you know, someone like Liam Pope from TFW, I'm sure could, but, uh, you know, not many people would be able to. And, uh, but then, you know, as you said, Binal Tech Hound, relatively straightforward, does what it says on the tin, but is really enjoyable for it. And it's, it's almost like, again, it was just a different era, wasn't it? It didn't need to look like the cartoon. It just needs to be a, a loose, rough mm. homage. And in some ways felt a bit freer for it, I suppose. Okay. So last question. So we're all in the bar at TFN. We're having a few drinks. Someone from Takara comes up to you because they're there for some reason. And they say, lads, we're going to make any character you want and you can have any car license. Which one do you pick, Sixer? It's a really good question. Um, I don't know about the car. I think character-wise, I'd go a bit off-piste. I'd go a bit not necessarily classic ultra popular g1 you know not like one of your big names because actually a lot of those have been done if like if i'm just kind of looking at the old shelf now you know the the 1984 85 shelf. exactly what i was just doing and thinking as well. i was like wait who didn't they do <laughs> well this is it a lot of the names that they haven't done are like hoist and grapple and stuff like that which you know aren't mm, typically yeah. sports cars but, uh, yeah. yeah so i'm gonna go i'm gonna go to a completely different area of g1 lots kind of latter day g1 Another set of cars. I'm going to say Boss. <laughs> Turbo, nice. Turbo Master Boss. <laughs> Very nice. I think that would be... I don't know what what alt mode it would be, Real realistic car. Um, I you knew know, you I, would have a fantastic answer for this. But I Boss think something like that. Set, set of Turbo Masters, particularly Boss, in Vinyl Tech alternative form. I think that would be incredible. Could you imagine if they could find a way to make the Turbo Master missile from like just some random car parts? Yeah, that'd be cool. As long as they didn't uh, take your eye out in the process, then well, maybe they should do <laughs> if they want to be authentic to the That's the official, say. you know, Turbo Accuracy Master experience. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You got to you got to at least lose an eye. That's you know, it's part of the experience. Go on, Maz, you thinking? Yeah, we're we're, we're all waiting for this. <laughs> I know there's a lot of cars in G1, but this is a really tough question. They got through so many, didn't they? It's astonishing when you actually start going through it. I mean, they did roll bar. I know. <laughs> they did throttle bots. I'm sitting there. Yeah. No. Doesn't have you to got, be a car, though. Doesn't have to you be got a car. Some, shop, yeah, exactly. I mean, shall I pick a Dinobot? <laughs> what What about <laughs> Chase? Never mind. Yeah, Chase is a good one, or Freeway. You know, those are really cool. Yeah. And I, like. The thing is, it'd have to be like um, a contemporary car as well. Maybe not something from the early two thousands, but and it and they never did like hypercars or supercars. I think the Ford GT was the closest they came. These were mostly just like sports cars, you know, Honda S two thousand, Subaru Impreza. Very like, I think I'd really love for them to have done a Honda NSX. Whoever it is, I would love it to be a Honda NSX. Uh, I think that's a gorgeous car. Right of the same kind of era of the Subaru Impreza's. Maybe even a Mitsubishi Evo would have been really cool to see. To go along with the Impreza. Like a Mitsubishi Evo would have been amazing to go along with the Impreza. But let's go with Honda NSX. As for who... Give me a minute. <laughs> I'm amazed he's not said it yet. We're all, we're, we're all waiting for you to say... To say one name, and I feel like you haven't said it. And I'm, what? I'm, give Sunstreaker another go. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of a certain mascot 
<laughs> we are, yeah, we're all thinking an it, orange it NSXR that turns into bisque, and it would be Yay! so so Binaltech to have it have a lobster head as well, wouldn't it? <laughs> really would. <laughs> Being good theme with Battle Ravage and all of that. Right, exactly. Good company. That's right. And of course, Binaltech had an amazing way of working in every different fiction into the story somehow. So, so already whatever year that was, G one now. Right. <laughs> so my choice. It's actually inspired by something one of you said earlier, and that would be Dinobot Slag. Ooh, as, nice. As a Dodge Charger. Little ball bars Ooh, on the front. Little beautiful. That's cool. That's Great cool. choice. Great choice. That's very cool. So it was something, I think it was what you said earlier, Six Air. That's where it came from. Uh, I like that idea a lot. It would have been fun, actually, yeah. if they'd have done all five of the Dinobots in car form. That would have been... Yep quite something to see i think you know i know people found that grimlock is a car a bit weird but just imagine all five of them all gray but like with the little red accents and things like that that would have been that would have been a lot of fun just make sludge like a just a truck of some description (laughs) yeah a bus i don't know (laughs) (laughs) we don't get enough transforming buses we really don't i know we, we really don't we really don't there are certain alt modes uh, we're going to end up doing a list of boats again, aren't we, in a minute? Yeah. <laughs> well, we've got them down now, haven't we? We've done enough episodes. We can and list we them all. Said broadside, broadside. Yeah. We said broadside. We said broadside, yeah, before <laughs> anyone quibbles. But yeah, there's uh, there's definitely some alt modes that are just a bit underdone. Definitely a, a bus former would be would be fun to see. That would be amazing. As like a Not even like an old-fashioned London bus, like a, just a contemporary bus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, F- five just... Dinobots, Sludge is a bus. <laughs> Just just thinking about the characters they did. And you know, I was just looking at the car shelf thinking that's pretty much everybody who was a car. They did Hot Rod, well Rodimus, and they did RC. So I guess if it's gonna be a wedge shaped car and it's gonna be the Honda NSX, it's gonna have to be blur, right? Well that's gonna do it for episode six of the Triple Takeover podcast. We hope you enjoyed it as much as all three of us did. If there's anything that you think we've missed, then please do get in touch with us on Twitter, Facebook, and whatever else we're on, at triple underscore takeover. Maz, where can people find you? I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at tfsquare1, one word. How about you, Sixer? I'm on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, some others, I don't know, at 60TF. And I can be found at Toybox Soapbox on all forms of social media. Tune in in two weeks' time. Same back time, same back channel.